Hi, everyone. It's Adam Van. As everyone knows, during the football season, I take a brief hiatus from the wrestling podcast to record At Odds with Football with Wrestling Cheers' own Justin Summers. This week is our big twice-yearly rivalry episode. Be sure to check that out as we continue to expand the wide array of lifestyle podcasting options in the soon-be-named network. In my absence, I'm sure Joe has a huge surprise for this week's guest hosts. Previous fill-ins have included Eddie Kingston, Stokely Hathaway, Brian Myers, and even my favorite indie wrestling commentator, Kevin Ford. I'm sure whoever it is, it'll definitely be along those lines and not at all a letdown. Also, I've sent in at least 20 pieces of audio to be played on this week's episode, so you'll hear from me again. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 208 of At Oz with Wrestling. It's odd hearing the entrance theme. Usually I put it in in post, but uh, had a little help there from Adam, of course, in his absence. Uh, but Adam not here. He has more important things to uh, watch, I guess. Uh, you know, some orange team is taking on some yellow and black team. No one really cares, but. I do have a more than suitable replacement for Adam, and uh, this would be someone whose work you hear on this show all the time, on all the other shows in the soon-to-be-named network, and many out-of-network shows as well, uh, lovingly referred to as the Jingle Meister, and that would be my friend David Kincannon. David, hello. How are you? I'm great, Joe. Thank you for having me, and thank you to Adam for that uh, ignominious uh, introduction. I will try and live down to it. <laughs> and again, uh, so as Adam mentioned, not to peel the curtain back too, too far. Uh, so, yes, he sent that in and all these clips that I'm going to be playing of Adam throughout the show uh, were sent in a week ahead of time. Like, literally, I think I had these in my inbox Friday. Wow. And I was given explicit instructions like, don't listen to any of them. Play them on the show. This one goes here, and this one goes there, and this one goes here, and this one goes there. Um, at least it lets me know that he actually does care about the show, you know? Absolutely. So how's things going with you, David? Things uh, have been uh, quiet on the um, Hit My Music front of late? Yeah, um, it's it's kind of... Hit My Music has become kind of whenever I get a chance to do it, whenever I can find uh, a guest who will get back to me. Um, and uh, it, so it's kind of a, a when I can do it kind of podcast. It doesn't have a set schedule. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work on some things. My, my outside of podcasting schedule has been a little wonky. So, you know, we're, we're working, we're working with what we've got. For sure. And I, I can't believe uh, that you would say here on this podcast that uh, independent wrestlers are, are shifty and tough uh, to pin down. Uh, you know, it's it's. I don't even know that that encapsulates it. I can't. Sometimes I can't even get emails back. Right. Like I can't even get a response. So, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Well, I know there were a couple folks that I tried uh, to get for you. Some more successful than <laughs> others, right? Yes, and I do appreciate all of your help. Right, right, and uh, you know. If there's ever anyone, you know, I've I've had people that were booked on shows and saying, like, the people running the shows say, hey, uh, I'm trying to, you know, 
get an updated promo pick for <laughs> X, right? Yeah. And uh, they haven't replied to any of my messages or any of my whatevers. They're like, I think you might get a response from them. And, you know, I don't know. I, I hold Mantis in a little bit higher regard than myself when it comes to that sort of thing. Right. And I'm glad that he holds me in that regard. And he's always shocked uh, when we have discussions and I say how held in regard he is within the wrestling community. He doesn't see it because he's kind of isolated from things. Sure. You know? yeah. Sure. So, uh, you want to get into the show, or do you want to uh, kind of filibuster here at the beginning? Uh, we can just jump right in if you like. Um, All right. I don't have a whole lot to talk about. I'm, I'm on. I just started my vacation uh, at five o'clock Mountain Time this afternoon. I uh, set my out of office, and I will not turn it off until October third in the morning. Oh, that's lovely. So yeah, I can't. I, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, what is that? Like eleven days of not working. So I I always get tripped up. Even a day off, like an extra, like I'll have <laughs> you'll you'll get like a you get like a holiday, and then you'll have like an extra day in there, and it ends up being like a four day weekend, right? And I'm just completely out of sorts, you know. <laughs> so eleven yeah, that, days, you know. I yes. earlier in March, I had the time off to go. To right, because you went to the the Bahamas or yeah. whatever it was, and yep. And that was rough, kind of getting back into the swing of things. Sure, eleven days, have fun, enjoy. I plan on it. Yes. All right, so let's get into. And now, at odds with wrestling presents. This day in wrestling history. It's weird David. hearing a, a sound clip of myself. <laughs> yes, I was. I was going to ask that, <laughs> and I was actually going to say that you are. You were good luck. So you know, I listen back to the show. I don't listen to the whole episode, but I do spot check things, especially like if something just sounds a little bit off. I'll just make like a little note for the time code for me. But for the past several months when I play that clip there's always a part at the end where it sounds like it skips almost like it's yeah. a record skipping okay right. it never shows up on the show Adam can't hear it when we record obviously you didn't hear it because you would have said like oh, something right I hear it all the time today <laughs> with you here I didn't hear it uh, well there you go I'm glad I could uh, I'm glad I could add that little extra uh, extra luck for you Joe yes uh, so we're going to go right down the line. We're going to go from oldest to newest. Sounds good. And this feels good to say, uh, David, on this day in wrestling history in 1984. Woo! Oh, 1984. Um, there was a Madison Square Garden show. We'll not be the first one that falls on this day in wrestling history as we right. go through. Uh, but this was the World Wrestling Federation debut of Bobby the Brain Heenan. A red letter day, if there ever is such a thing. Yes. Now, this stuff is very fresh in my head only because uh, they covered this relatively recently on uh, our Vantage Point podcast. And I'm going to give a shout out here to Joe Murata, uh, who helped me, went out of his way above and beyond the call of duty, reached out to me. Um, I don't think he listened to this show, but he saw me lamenting that we were having some audio issues of the last, last two weeks. And if this show sounds good, it's because of him. So, you know, go listen to his show. It's a lot of fun. 
Uh, they talk about like 80s wrestling with like going like day and date for like what is going to become superstars eventually. They started with 1982 WWF. Oh, wow. And they just hit uh, this week the war to settle the score. Mm. And their other show, their Friday show, is uh, starting from the beginning of Monday Night Raw. Okay. And as this episode comes out, I think the episode that they're doing is the Razor Remote One Two Three Kid episode. Great, great episode of of wrestling television. So this uh, specific debut is all fresh uh, in my head. So uh, because they reviewed it, like I said, on, on uh, OVP. Uh, so for weeks on TV, they were building up at Madison Square Garden a match between Hulk Hogan, then you know, relatively newly crowned WWF champion, and Jesse the Body Ventura. Hmm. Before the match, literally the weekend before the match, uh, Jesse gets uh, rushed to the hospital with the uh, blood clots. And he has to take like six months off. So they don't really have like a ready baked in contender. Um, You know, he's already been through some of the bigger guys that are there. Your your big John studs and stuff like that. Um, So they put Bobby Heenan, who they were working on coming in. And even if you see... Um, so it wasn't this show, it's like the following month at Madison Square Garden, Bobby's like still wrestling as well. Okay. He wrestles a match against Salvatore Belomo, uh, but they do an angle at Madison Square Garden where he comes out and he got Big John Studd the match and Hogan, I think, gets counted out in the match and they end up stealing the title. It's this whole big thing to kind of like put Bobby in as a big player and this is kind of where in, like, WWF canon, like, they kind of were, were a little opposition in AWA, but this was the beginning of what would be, you know, until the end of both of their respective on-screen careers. It kind of begins here, Heenan and Hogan being right. at, at oppositions with each other. So his debut, was this, I know I've seen, like, a very early WWF promo of him with Big John Studd. Is that the debut so, well, okay, so the, that promo airs after this Madison Square, Square Garden okay. happens. Okay. Um, yeah, just the kind of the way the timeline works. I think when they would put stuff on, even back then, um, most stuff wasn't aired live on MSG. There was usually, like, a week delay from the time that it would happen and then air. So, like, this happens. They do the Saturday TV and then, like, they have the localized promos for, like, Madison Square Garden Network. If you're going to watch it, it's Bobby and Big John Studd kind of building up the match. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, we flash forward two years later, 1986, also at Madison Square Garden. Uh, main event is uh, Bundy, John Studd, and Bobby Heenan taking on the Super Machine, the Big Machine, and the Hulk <laughs> Machine. <laughs> Uh, They would do that around the horn where the third would be a Hulk machine, a Piper machine. I think George Steele and someone else were even machines at one point, uh, depending on the market, you know? Yes. Uh, But this uh, Madison Square Garden is the WWF debut of the Rougeau brothers. Nice. Uh, This is their first time in WWF. There had been vignettes on TV. Uh, There was probably stuff taped uh, that had not aired yet. But uh, yeah, like I said, it just 
it's always fun looking back at these shows just to see who was still kicking around, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So who did they... Who did they uh, debut against? Uh, they debuted and defeated the Heart Foundation. Wow. Right. And this is, you know, the Heart Foundation had not won the tag titles. I think the Bulldogs were still the tag champs at okay. this point. So we're, what, a, cu- a couple of months away from that title change? Yep. Okay. And Interesting. Right. And then also, like, looking to see, like, Nick Kaninsky working, like, Madison <laughs> Square Garden matches in 1986 is always interesting, you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, so, uh, moving along, this day wrestling history, 1996. Ah, uh, yes. The World Wrestling Entertainment held uh, from the brand new Core State Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in your house mind games. And I was there for this. I know. I uh, I messaged you this week after I had taken a look because I wanted to kind of get an idea of what was um, in store for me. And I saw this and I knew that you had been there. And I actually went back and watched this for the first time in probably like five years. Wow. Okay. Um, cause I wanted to kind of know where we were in this. Um, uh, and I have some thoughts and I have some questions. Okay. So if you don't mind taking a little detour, I'd love to, I'd love to talk more, a little more in depth about this show than you usually do in the, uh, the, this day in wrestling history section. For sure. Okay. So i there is a match on this show. Uh, Jose Lothario versus uh, Jim Cornette. And I don't I don't want to body shame anybody. It's not so much body shaming as it is uh, clothing shaming. But Jim Cornette wears to the ring like a full... It's not a singlet. It's like a one-piece outfit that covers his entire body. Okay. And it is black and red. And the black part covers his midsection to where it looks like he has a literal spare tire around his waist. Right. Um, Which I thought was interesting and maybe not. I mean, I guess in terms of making him look like the dolt that he kind of was, it worked. Um I also know I also noted that he always brought Wilson tennis rackets to the to the ring. Mm-hmm. I was a Prince player, so a oh. uh, little bit of heat ski with me for that. Um, <laughs> that is a, a thankfully short match. Uh, infamous uh, uh, there there's a couple of infamous things that happened on this show. Uh, oh, this is so the before sorry, you go get ahead. to those. I want to yep. talk about the Jim Court, the outfit that you're wearing. Oh right? yes, okay, yep. So it's not the first, like obviously it's the first time that he wears it in WWF. Uh, he had worn it in like other manager matches prior right. to this. And maybe you know, maybe you don't. When during like the pandemic era stuff for AEW, when they kind of debuted uh, Smart Mark Sterling as MJF's manager. And or a lawyer, and they set up the match where it was Moxley versus uh, Marky. <laughs> Marky's outfit that he wears in that match is patterned and an homage to the Jim Cornette outfit that he wears here. Right. But he goes red and blue as opposed to red and black sure. like Jim Cornette does. And then avid listeners of the uh, Hawkins and Broskis show uh, will know how heartbroken Marky was. When he listened to Jim Cornette's review of the match, all excited, and Jim Cornette buried him, uh, just shit all over him, you know. Ugh. You could you what could like garbage. hear in Marky's voice, like yeah, kind of, you know, like I did it because like I'm a fan, and it was homage, and 
He didn't right. like it, you know? Yeah, it's it, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, that's unfortunate. So then the uh, so just another thing real quick is sure. I, you said you watched the show and I don't know if it happens on like so it didn't happen on the pay-per-view, but it might have been on the Coliseum release, so who knows what's on the Peacock version. Right. But it's the beating that Jim Cornette gets here from Super Sock Jose Lothario that I, I would say under duress that he signs away the contracts for Bulldog and Owen to Clarence Mason backstage. Yes, that is okay. that is on the show. Okay. Um, and Clarence Mason comes out and almost like at, at multiple points almost costs Bulldog and Owen the match. Right. Um, of course, I think most people would know this as the show where a number of ECW related wrestlers were in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Sandman, of course, spits beer in the face of Savio Vega, uh, leading to Vince saying, and I quote, <laughs> There is a local wrestling group here in Philadelphia, obviously trying to make a name for themselves here at the expense of the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> uh, you know, not not at all uh, telegraphing that this was totally known that every like, come on. It's it's wild to me that. People would think that that this was in any way a shoot in terms of like, I mean, obviously the wrestler, we know, you know, we've heard Bruce talk about it and how there were only a handful of people who knew, but it's, it seems very clear when you're watching this, that this is a, a semi staged event. Yeah. With 2022 eyes for sure. Yeah. Um, I think even like in 1996 eyes, like you wanted to, but you, if you were an ECW fan and I was an ECW fan, sure. you wanted to believe that this was real. But as like the way ECW ends up handling it on their TV, um, they they just show the footage, right? Okay. And right. You ever uh, if you've ever watched ECW TV from this and from that era, you know, ninety five to them going to uh, to TNN, right. whenever they would have like handheld footage that was fan cam, they would put that weird filter around the screen, yeah. say, like ECW fan cam at the bottom, right. They just took this footage from the pay-per-view and put that filter around it and said, like, ECW <laughs> fan cam and tried to make us believe that this was, like, somehow stolen, professionally done oh, footage. boy. Lovely. Um, and if it wasn't clear here um, that they were working together, like, the rest of the, like, leading up to Barely Legal and Hardcore Heaven. Right. Um, you know, you still wanted to believe uh, that ECW was this outlaw renegade promotion that they weren't in league with the World Wrestling Entertainment. And I'll say they tried real hard to make you believe, but... Right. Yeah, I don't know. So this leads me to my first question for you. Uh, sure. I believe you've said in the past that your seats for this event were not great. No, I like I said, we, like, uh, behind me was the wall. Okay. And I don't mean the wall brother. I mean, like, an actual <laughs> wall of the building. Could you tell what was happening? Oh yeah, yeah. It's not, okay. this is not like a stadium okay. where it's huge. It's you know, it's a it's on the smaller end of your big venues, you know. Right. And they did have it on the like I think they did have like the screens up cuz the Flyers play there too. Okay. So they did have it up on the screens there as well. Okay. All right. That makes you know, sense. so you can right. still see what was doing. 
Uh, there is a promo in the in this show. Uh, it's about eight minutes, which I thought was kind of weird to have like an eight minute talking segment on a two hour PPV. Um, but it's Brian Pillman, Owen Hart, and eventually Steve Austin. Right. Uh, so this is before the Steve Austin Brian Pillman feud. Uh, it does feature Brian Pillman wearing an "I don't call nine one one" shirt. Yeah, uh, with a, with a picture of a gun on it. About two months before the info, before that infamous angle. Um, this is the promo where Austin says uh, about Bret Hart that you can put an S in front of Hitman. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and it's interesting to see these three guys, especially because both Pillman and Austin or both Pillman and Owen would end up feuding with Austin to right. have them kind of in there all together on the same page. Right. Cause you know, obviously the idea is, uh, you know, they, they don't know that it's going to become the heart foundation. They don't know right. that Austin is going to become this huge baby face. And if you believe Vince and Bruce and you know, when it comes to Bruce, I do believe right. everything he says, why would he lie? He's never lied before <laughs> in his life that, <laughs> Um, the, they didn't know Brett was going to sign. You know, they still, like, that episode of Raw where, like, he, Vince lets Brett go out and open the show, and they didn't know if Brett was going to sign with WWF or not sure. sign with WWF. So, you know, they're just going to let this guy who's arguably their biggest star go out there with a live mic on live TV and maybe say, yeah, I'm leaving this place. It sucks. You know? Yeah. Um, but, like, obviously the idea was, is, like, you're going to have Brett as the returning, conquering babyface, vanquishing, like, these all dirty heels. And yeah. it didn't work out that way. No, it did not. No. Very quickly uh -huh. it turned around. Yes, very much so. Um, so, right after that, we get Owen and Bulldog versus the Smoking Guns. Uh, I don't have much to say about that match except that 1996 Billy Gun kind of reminds me of 22 of 2022 Colton Gun. Okay. Um, then we get Jerry Lawler versus Mark Henry. Mark Henry's debut match, I believe. Correct. Uh, little it, it, it's I'm you know I'm not a Lawler fan, but I have to say that in this in this particular environment, he does a really good job of doing everything he possibly can for Mark Henry. A, a very safe, uh, a yeah. very, uh, very basic match. Lots right. of smoke and mirrors. Yes. yes. Uh, then we get Taker, Undertaker versus Goldust, which it's fine. Yeah, um, that, like you would like this could have been such a big money program, but like for some reason these two just had no chemistry. What's none? Up? Yeah, none whatsoever. Uh, and then of course the main event is Shawn Michaels versus Mankind. Um. And it is one of the best matches of this era. Oh, absolutely. Um, Definitely one of the best WF matches. Yes. Um, maybe the best match of the year, 96. Um, and I say a match that still holds up to this day. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I watched it, and I was noticing that it is something of a signpost on the way to the Attitude Era. You can see little things happening that if you fast forward a year have like taken root, uh -huh. um, you know, some of the, some of the bumps that Mick takes, uh, especially the one where like Sean just like grabs him by the hair and throws his head into the, the back of his head into the floor with a really gross thud. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also this finish that you've got multiple run-ins, a disqualification, um, and a lot of extracurricular activity featuring a number of people. So it it sort of ends up in that that sort of Russo crash TV era booking in terms of feel. Mm-hmm. So with that, and I don't feel like that was the norm at that point yet. So how did you feel in the arena about the ending of that match, if you remember? Um, so I remember, you know, Mick, Cactus, Mankind is one of and was one of my favorites and still sure. is to this day. Um, I didn't think he was going to win the title. Right. Um, I would have liked a little bit more conclusive of a finish. But, you know, in my what would have been, you know, 19 year old eyes, whatever the hell it would have been, I was maybe happy that my favorite didn't lose lose. Okay. He only lost by disqualification. You know, that makes sense. Yeah, that that makes sense. And then we get uh, Sean's like post match antics. Uh, Sean must pose. Yeah, I guess it's it's interesting because this is in the body of the match. There's a lot going on in terms of, um, you know, the kind of pain that is received and the way that he's selling. But after the match, it's almost like he's gone. He's gone through like the reju- rejuvenation machine. He's a little tired, but that's about it. And then uh, he does the thing where he pulls down his tights to show off the tattoo on his hip. Uh huh. And like. It seems like that's not a that's not a thing that would really get over in the city of Philadelphia. No, and I, I do recall, you know, and what would come, and we're going to cover it on the show, of course, because the way the pay per views line up right. in two months, the reception that Sean gets in Madison Square Garden against Sid at Survivor Series, you would th- you would have thought that Sean would have got a similar reaction to, from the fans in Philly, but. Not really, because like I think Philly's more of a self-proposed smart crowd, right? And they probably like, oh, we realize that Sean's a good worker and everything else like that, you know. Okay. Whereas Madison Square Garden on that night, we're just out for blood, you know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very uh, much now, so. one other thing I do want to mention uh, before you get any other questions. So I nope. wish, I wish. The free for all uh, for this pay per view was out there somewhere. I'm sure it is. It's definitely not on the network. I would assume. Right. I couldn't find it. So on the sh- on the show on the free for all, mankind gets two promos. One is a taped promo, and one is a promo in front of the live crowd. The taped promo is kind of one that he had caught a couple times on TV, but it's just like here's the extended version of it on how if he wins the title. Will he be the new sexy boy? Will he be the new boy toy? Will girls want to run their fingers through his hair and he starts <laughs> ripping at his hair? Will they want to whisper sweet nothings in my ear and they do the close-up of the ear nub and everything like right. that, right? So that's the promo that's televised. So a lot of times the free-for-all, you know, you get your barkering of them trying to get you at the last minute to order the pay-per-view, you know? Sure, yep. So that's what you see on TV, live crowd gets essentially a mankind promo of him attempting to make sure that they boo him Mm. and cheer Sean. Uh, He tells Paul, Uncle Paul, a story really hitting about a different Uncle Paul that he had. 
I see. That lived in a bingo hall just down the road from here. And how <laughs> and how angry and miserable he was being there the whole time. And how his new Uncle Paul is nothing like his old Uncle Paul. Wow. And he's afraid if he loses, he'll have to go back to that bingo hall again. And he's like, Uncle Paul, please don't make me go back to that bingo hall. I hate, you know, and like, just like, and just saying bingo hall, bingo hall, bingo hall. But it was just for the live crowd to make sure, you know, if there was any fans that were there like me, they were like, I'm going to cheer Cactus Jack. And he cuts that promo and I'm like, I'm still going to cheer Cactus Jack. You know, he's my guy. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, yeah, that's all I have about about mind games. So. All right. So uh, also on this day in wrestling history, that ate up a lot of time. But I love it talking did. about I love talking about wrestling. You know me. Yep. Uh, so also on this day, wrestling history is our head-to-head 1997 Monday Night Raw versus Monday Nitro. Uh, Nitro emanating from Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I would say the thing that this Nitro is probably uh, second most remembered for is Babyface Disco Inferno winning the television title. <laughs> And he would uh, actually hold the title until April uh, of, like, the following year, maybe. It's a decent run. Yeah. It's a decently long run. Uh, but this Nitro, uh, 25 years ago, was also the TV debut of, as uh, Brett the Hitman Hart would say, or a good friend Marcus would say, Bill Goldberg. Bill Goldberg. Uh, yeah, so this was Goldberg's debut. Yep. And uh, very, very unassuming, very underwhelming at the time. Um, I know Eric Bischoff with revisionist history and Kevin Sullivan with revisionist history will say that this was their plan all along to debut (laughs) this guy with a streak. And Kevin Mm -hmm. Sullivan saw how big of an influence mixed martial arts was. And this was their way to get a mixed martial arts type guy on their show. Right. Go back and watch this match. And uh, I don't know, like, Bill Goldberg's a heel, and for the next three months, he feuds with Deborah and Alex Wright and Mongo over Mongo's Super Bowl ring. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's a weird start to his career. It certainly is. And it's not until after the Mongo feud, which culminates at Starcade again, which we'll get to, um, and that ends up being, like, one of Mongo's last matches... They just kind of shift him from taking on like heel jobbers to like or babyface jobbers to heel jobbers, and then that's really it. And yep. then they're off to the races. Yep. Uh, but over on Raw, oh boy, do uh. we have a Monday Night Raw to talk about? <laughs> so uh, Monday Night Raw emanates from Madison Square Garden, the third. Madison Square Garden that ends up on this day in wrestling history in a row, right? Right. Um, so we get uh, Ahmed Johnson defeating Rocky, Ma- freshly t- heel turned Rocky Maivia in the Intercontinental Title Tournament. Ahmed Johnson does not continue because after just recently coming off an injury from the summer, he injures himself in this match as an out for a couple months. <laughs> it's. It's insane yeah. how much they put into him only for him to constantly be gone. Yes. They tried, man. You cannot say 
they they spent the better part of almost two years. Yep. From his debut at Survivor Series in 1995 up to almost this very point of like, this guy's going to be our superstar. He's going to yep. be our next guy. You know, they they had him rubbing up against Sean and Ultimate Warrior and like whoever all their big baby faces were at the time. If Sean's number one, they have Ahmed positioned as number two. Yes. And it's insane. And when they turned him heel. He was immediately in a heel, you know, as a heel programmed against Undertaker, who was the champion at the time, and he ended up getting hurt. And then, <laughs> you know, here we are here, you know? Oh, boy. And then he would go to WCW. Right. As Big T. Big T. Harlem Heat 2000. Now, uh, you know, another thing that happens at this show, um, it has been building for weeks, of course, with the injury. Austin is one of the hottest characters on TV, but he can't wrestle. Uh, so he's just been going through different characters and stunning them. He stuns JR at the Ground Zero pay-per-view. He stuns uh, Sergeant Slaughter the next night on Raw. The following week's Raw, he gets Jerry Lawler. And this, Madison Square Garden, he gets his hands and he gives Vince the stunner. And Vince sells it with his eyes open <laughs> and bugged out. Like he's been stunned, like with a cattle prod. Right. It's uh, not as though Vince doesn't watch his own product to see how other people have sold this move dozens of times in front of him. What made Vince think, this is how I'm going to be unique with the way I take the stunner, pal? I don't think there has ever been anyone <laughs> as unathletic who somehow ended up having a ton of matches uh, over the course of several years. Well, you know what? Um, I, I might give you a run for your money. When okay. We get All right. into discussions from this past week in wrestling. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. But as big as a moment as this is, this wasn't the biggest moment that happened on the show. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't because I got some audio to play. Oh, boy. I can't wait. We had a little rap. Oh, oh, because you see, balls count anywhere. Well, that's not exactly my bag, baby. The pinfalls in the hot dog stand, the pinfalls in the street, the chairs, the table. It's not exactly a love thing. But I know somebody, daddy, who's bagging indeed it. <laughs> He's my man. He's my main man. You might even say, well, daddy, he's a kind man. <laughs> a kooky type of cat. Let's bring him out. Right now. Oh, mankind, my main mandible umpire, big man. Oh, oh you're too slow. <laughs> mankind, good to have you at the love shack. Hi, dude. Thanks what? for having me here. The pleasure is all mine. You really are eye candy for the chicks, dude. That much I know, Daddy, but you got to tell me about this wacky match. Balls count anyway. Dude, as much as I've dreamed about destroying Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I know you have. As many horrible things as I'd like to do to him. I know you can. I know someone who dreams about it even more. Who is it, Manny? Someone who's willing to do even worse things than I am. Oh, no. Are you thinking what I think you're thinking? I think I am thinking what you think. I think you're thinking. Can you bring him out, Manny? Here he comes. Where is he? Cactus Jack. Somebody spiked me. I thought he was dead. He's alive. Hopefully, it may be the darkest day of your life because it's Madison Square Garden and Mrs. Foley's little boy. Bye bye. We all 
Bang, bang! Oh, unbelievable stuff. Uh, it's great. It's for whatever criticisms you want to levy at the Attitude Era in general. Um, they did not skimp when it came to production. Yeah. Especially of, you know, pre-produced video packages. Uh, you know, I think Mick talked about it, if not last week, the week before about how, you know, all that went into producing that video. Um, right, and if you read Mick's book, you know, he kind of right. goes into it, but obviously with the new podcast, he kind of, yeah. like, hear him tell it is a lot different than reading it, sure. you know, 20 years ago or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of work went into it. You know, they did the fake out over the summer where you think it's maybe going to be Cactus Jack that teams with Austin and ends up being Dude Love. Right. And then they get Cactus Jack here. And, like, even just now, man, being like a fan, being such a big fan and hearing that and uh hearing the reaction that the crowd gives him when he shows up on the screen and then when he comes out and it's Madison Square Garden and like knowing how much you know from his book and he talks about how much that meant to him Mick and as a fan like how cool that was to see at home and like I I remember watching this raw I was a WWF guy as opposed to WCW guy so I'm watching this and they do the thing and they're talking the dude love and kind of talking and I know it's going to be Cactus Jack, and Cactus Jack comes out, and I'm just freaking out, man. It was just, like, so awesome, and uh, it's still awesome 25 years on, you know? Sure it is. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, it, it's it's a great segment. It is it is one of my favorite – it remains one of my favorite segments from the Attitude Era. Yep, and, you know, if we're not ensconced in the Attitude Era yet, you know, we talk about it every week. It's like, oh, is this the point? Is that the point? Is this the point? And, you know, there's all these little bits that gradually happen and we're going to get to it, you know, here in about a month or so when Vince does the promo as the owner, maybe like a week or two before Survivor Series where he does like the cure for the common show uh, USA ad read where he talks about like good guys and bad guys being a thing of the past. Right. You know, it's all kind of leading up to that. And then just the attitude era, which had been kind of slowly little pieces of stuff here, but you still got stuff to pop up. It's like, oh, the Godwins are feuding with the, sure. <laughs> you know, and Uncle Cletus and this, that, the other thing. So there's still like those remnants. Um, but I know other people have talked about this. And just even here, as we go through like these Madison Square Garden signposts, you know, you're talking about 84, you're talking about 86, um, you talk about 1997. And let's even say like 96 to 97, you had mentioned before um, just how different WWF is and was during that era. If you just took that signpost September and you look at what the WWF looked like in 1994 and 1995 and 1996 and 1997 in September, you're looking at almost four completely different companies. Absolutely. And obviously part of that was not having any competition, having competition, having competition kick their ass and them trying finally figuring out getting those pieces together and getting those right players together to start turning the tide. 
And it's yeah. just so interesting that, you know, with the stagnation, I think, of WWE over the last 20-some years and not having any real competition, when we talk about WWF stuff that happened from, like, 06 to 2014, so much of it is interchangeable to me. Yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah. there There is definitely... Um that through line definitely gets longer as they have less competition. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I, I, you know, this sort of thing, I, I love talking about that sort of thing and we're going to end the wrestling history stuff. And this will get us into a conversation. I'm sure uh, <laughs> that on this day in wrestling history in 2004, the big boss man passed away. Right. And he was 41 years old. Oh man. And that's younger than you or I, my friend. Yes, it is. Uh, that is unfortunate. Um, if you had asked me how old he was when he passed away, I don't think 41 is the number I would have come up with. Nope. Um, I I would have guessed he was 41 when he debuted in WWF in 1988. <laughs> uh, I would have guessed he was 41 when he was Big Bubber as part of the NWO. And I would have guessed he was 41 in 1999 when he was feuding with Al Snow. Yeah, right. Uh, you, you talk about guys that just kind of looked at like an Arn Anderson type. Yep. You know, whether it's just how they breed him in Georgia. You know, you just you if you're a wrestler and you're from Georgia and you came up in the 70s or 80s, you just you just look like you're in your 40s from the time that you're 21 until the time that you sadly pass, pass yes. away. Unfortunate. Um, he was one of the great heels of my childhood. Um, and, you know, would go on, you know, he would, he would turn into a baby face, but uh, I don't think he ever really encapsulated, you know, ever, ever really overcame that that great first run that he had in the WWF. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he, he comes in and was it 88 and like, he starts off a little small, just getting victories here and there, but he's almost immediately programmed with Hogan. Right. And then almost immediately after that, he's like the B house show feud with dusty Rhodes. Yeah. It, and it's great. Yeah. And you know, he's one of those guys that I think was definitely, you know, as you're a kid watching that stuff, you know, I'm, 10 11 12 whatever mm -hmm. i am you know and i don't really appreciate how good a character like that is or how good his in ring work is but you revisit it and you see how good he was as an in ring performer not just as a character as well he had both those pieces and then he gets that second career as a baby face and he has a huge baby face run in wwf he goes to wcw and he's just like a guy there like not doing right. anything terrible but not doing anything great but then he comes back in the Attitude Era, and he's just, like, rejuvenated as mm -hmm. a character. That is true. And I love seeing, like, the last couple days, a lot of people have been posting, like, vignettes and promos and all this stuff sure. that Bossman did in WWF in 99, 2000. And it's just, like, as wild and as crazy as shit was in the Attitude Era, like, I think the shit that Bossman was doing and saying is so overlooked. It really is. Yeah. Of course, I mean, part of that may be because you can't escape the kennel from hell, but... I was there for that, too. Really? I was, th I was there live for that pay-per-view, yes. Unforgiven 1999, huh? Yes, sir. Wow. Uh, listen, 99, uh, you know, uh, once I got my sea legs under me and I realized that, like, 
Oh, well, Philly's only like a two-hour drive, and Albany's only like a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive, and, uh, you know, and, and Virginia's only a six-hour drive, and <laughs> uh, North Carolina's only like a 12-hour, you know, like, once I got, like, uh, the, my sea legs underneath me in regards to driving and stuff, um, you know, I was going everywhere, man. Like, if I had people that were willing to go, I'm going. Like, I... I I had one instance where I went by myself and my car broke down and it was just one of those things where I'm like, I'll never go by myself. I always want to have somebody else with me just in case something like that happens. Right. Um, but you know, yeah, as long as I had at least one other person who was game on going for the trip with me, I'm like, let's go, you know, I'll, I'll drive, I'll pick you up. You know, I got to pick you up along the way as long as it's not too, too far out of the way. Um, but yeah, like I said, ninety, like ninety seven, ninety eight is really when I start picking up, like going to like shows almost every weekend that I could. That's I. I wish I had had that opportunity. Um, you know, with being in college, I wasn't working. I didn't have much money. I was in the. I was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, we didn't get many things that came through. <laughs> not really um, a pro wrestling hotbed. No, not really. No. Uh, I remember, you know, of course, the first sold out was in cedar rapids unfortunately it happened at a period where i was not on campus i was it was like a, a break where i was home right dude, um, that, i think it was like january ish it, it was january yeah, yeah. It, it was i remember i remember seeing them like riding through the streets on the back of uh like garbage cans and there's snow and ice everywhere which is a very cedar rapids thing um i did go to a thursday thunder in early 1998 uh, and that was about it for me around that time. So, you know, the, the wheels hadn't fallen completely off w, WCW in, in early 98 yet. Right. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're, I'm sure on the show, we're going to talk about where like the wheels start to fall off a bit. Yeah. But it's not yet. Nope. Not yet. So that's a ton of this day in wrestling history. It I is. love talking about it. So, <laughs> Uh, David, let's get into some stuff from the past week. What'd you watch? Nice. What do you want to talk about? Uh, so, what do you, what do you got? What do you got? I watched, I watched a few different things. Um, I actually watched, uh, SmackDown for the first time in a while. I watched the Sami Zayn, uh, match with, uh, Ricochet. Right. Um, which was enjoyable. Not, not, there wasn't much there. Uh, I also watched the four way on SmackDown, the four way tag team match. Um, I the only thing I could say the only thing I really want to say about that match is that uh, Vinci from the Imperium yes has it has the worst spine buster I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember oh. who he did it to, but he I think it may have may, may have been Butch. He like put him down on his butt first, <sighs> and then his back hit. Um, but there was there was another thing that happened with WWE, not a match or anything, but an announcement. Oh yes, and that is the announcement that Survivor Series. A WWE main roster pay-per-view is going to feature war games. Yes. Um, I thought this was a fascinating look at just how much things have changed in the WWE. Mm -hmm. Since we've heard for years and years that Vince McMahon would never allow war games to be on a pay-per-view. It takes too many seats away. It's not a WWE invention. All of that stuff. And yet here we are. The first of the big four. Because is it was Triple H already in power when SummerSlam happened? It was like that week. Okay. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say 
this is the first of the big four under Triple H's control. And for it to have that much of a change is a really interesting development to me. I would I would agree. Now, do you think and, and you know, I, I had this as like an earmarked pencil in thing. Sure. Uh, you know, I had the return of Halloween Havoc branding for NXT, which is right. obviously different than the main roster stuff. Right. Um, but do you think that this is Triple H um, going out of his way to kind of stick it up Vince's ass? Do you think that this is Triple H's way of trying to show the fans like, hey, the reasons that you, David, just mentioned why a War Games match would never happen on a main roster pay-per-view and here it is, is this Triple H's way of saying like, if this doesn't tell you Vince is no longer involved, nothing will? Or do I you think, think there's some other third ulterior motive behind it? I think it's more the second. I think it's, and I think more generally, it's just him wanting to put his stamp on something. Okay. I, I It's him saying, these. there are things about WCW that, I, I don't know if it's so much that he loved, but that he recognizes that people who watched WCW loved. Mm-hmm. And that maybe this is a little something that we can do to maybe... You know, I'm sure there are people around our age who have not watched wrestling since WCW closed. There's a lot of them, I'm sure, yes. And so I think maybe this is uh, a little bit of a, you know, a baton, or not a baton, um, just a little bit of a peace offering saying, hey, maybe you want to come back. We're going to bring back some of these things that you liked from 20, 25 years ago. Okay. Uh, it'll be interesting. They said that there's going to be two uh, War Games matches. Right. And they also said that it's going to be, like, storyline involved. And, like, obviously I see, you know, you have your bloodline. Right. Um, who they would be going up against would be interesting. You know, like, obviously some sort of team of baby faces. But just looking at the way that things have been relayed on TV, what could you see the other War Games match be? I would assume... It would be Bailey's crew versus some sort of other group of women, right? Yeah, it seems like we're it seems like we're sort of dividing that already because we've got that that group of uh, you know Alexa Bliss and um, um, Bianca Belair and who's the other one? Oh, Oscar. So that that kind of threesome there against Bailey and her threesome. You know, I don't know if we're going to add a fourth person to each of those. You know, to each of those groups. Um, and then, you know, on the men's side, you know, I definitely, it definitely seems like the bloodline is where we're going. So presumably Roman, the Usos and Sammy, or maybe you, you put in solo Sokoa instead of Roman. Um, if you, if you want him to kind of be the figurehead on the outside, uh, if, you know, kind of directing things or something like that. Uh, but I don't know who they would go against because there isn't. I mean, you've got like you've got a trio like the Brawling Brutes, but who do you add to them as a fourth? Or you know what what other two people? If you know, maybe we're doing a five on five war games, who who do you add to that? I don't know. Okay, um, it it doesn't seem like there's a there's a lot of options that I can see. But I will point as I pointed out, I have not been watching WWE. Right, I'm with you. 
So here's here's what I would do. I I, I do both matches, and again, it's not fan. It's not fantasy booking. <laughs> this is me making predictions. I, you know, I'm not gonna get upset if this doesn't happen. You know, one way or the other. Right. Um. You do your you do both of them as five on five. Right. Okay. Um. You have Bailey's crew, and I'm sure you could just throw two other random people in there. It's like ah, oh, you know. Uh, I don't want to be teaming with you, but I guess to beat them we will. Right. And whatever. Okay. Sure. The men's side, of course, you got Roman, you got Solo, you got Sammy, you got the Usos, okay? You put them against uh, Drew, you okay. put them against Kevin Owens, Gargano, maybe depending on where the direction is going to go with Ricochet or whoever, like, that secondary title person is going to be, like, even, like, a Bob Lashley, let's say, okay? okay. Like, you have it be, like, your babyface super team, Nah, they're still down a man, right? Right. It's Survivor Series. It's War Games. Maybe this is where you bring back Cody. Oh, maybe. Right, and then you even just plant that seed as like they have a fifth, like they have a fifth guy of whoever it is, and either it's a mystery man or they get taken out before the pay per view, and now they're down a man. Well, who's going to be their fifth person? It comes time for their fifth person to come out, and nobody comes out. And it's like, oh my God, the you know uh, Drew's team is at a disadvantage. It's four on five, and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, whether it's officially or unofficially, Cody comes out. He doesn't have to do a ton. He just comes out and evens the side, cleans house a little bit. Him and Roman never touch. Maybe have a little bit of a stare down, and then the finish just happens like almost immediately. Okay, that's a, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. That's, and then you like you could just have Cody do that, and then you could put him on the back burner until the Rumble. Sure. And you do the Triple H Beautiful Day build <laughs> for Cody coming back at the Rumble instead of having him be a surprise entrant. And then you get like two pops, uh, you know, because we're running out of them. We need to create more. You do the Cody pop as the surprise at the Survivor Series. And then you do the build. It's like, okay, his first match, he's in the Rumble. And then whatever happens from there. You know, you do the training videos every week on TV. The week before on Raw or SmackDown or both, he comes out and cuts promos. He has confrontations with Roman. They never touch. They can't touch until WrestleMania. And, you know, that that's what I would do. Paul, give me a call. <laughs> I've, I've said it before. Give Joe the pencil. Yeah, listen, I got I got ideas whether they would work or not. I could sit here and spitball wrestling ideas all day, you know? Sure, sure. Uh, so you, we mentioned World Wrestling Entertainment. We mentioned announcements. We mentioned Roman. I said Paul. Let's talk about another Paul. Okay. And that's Logan Paul. Mm. That they just yes. announced that the main event of Crown Jewel is going to be Roman defending the title against Logan Paul. Uh. So... Here, so I feel World Wrestling Entertainment until they get a viable contender for Roman, which sadly they don't have right now because right. Cody's hurt. They need to do freak show matches like this. That makes sense, and they need to do it on freak show shows. That you know, maybe I, so. I'm not watching a Crown Jewel Saudi Blood Oil Money show. Nope. Regardless. Okay. Yep. Same. I watched the gifts on my timeline under protest. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to watch the show. I'm not going to give them the, the interaction that they want for a show like that. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. 
but you throw a match like this out there and this may not get the people like me or the people like you, David, to watch the show, but it might get the casuals to watch the show. It is certainly a curiosity. Yes. I don't know what what Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul is going to look like. <laughs> um, I obviously I don't expect Logan Paul to win the the WWE championship, nope. uh, whichever. I guess it's a unified championship right now. Um, I I don't expect that. I assume there will be some kind of weird non finish, um, but. I think it's to me that's almost less interesting than what will actually happen in that match because I don't know what that's going to look like. Um I watched WrestleMania Logan Paul acquitted himself fairly well right in his match at WrestleMania. I don't know how that necessarily translates to a main event program with the the current champion it it and again it's i don't think it's going to be good promos in the sense that you or i or somebody listening to this show is looking for a good promo right i i don't think it's going to be uh, an interesting build i definitely think it's going to be like i said a freak show sort of thing just yeah. a a riddle of what this match is going to be i don't think this match goes longer than like 7 minutes no um you know it's got to be you know very quick it's got to be you know it's gonna be it's it's gonna be more similar to the mind games Mark Henry Jerry Lawler match than the mind games Mick Foley Shawn Michaels match. <laughs> sure, uh, I can to, see that. To, to put things into perspective, there. Now I will say this: um, if he did not have whatever his other sports casting deal is, and not to say that this match is completely off the table, um, but if Pat McAfee was available, this would have been Pat McAfee. Yeah. And that means whenever Pat McAfee's like sports casting thing is done, we're going to see Roman versus Pat McAfee on a pay-per-view before WrestleMania. Yeah. And that's going to be another curiosity. I don't know that it's going to necessarily draw me in, but no. And that, and that's the thing that's so, okay. Is Roman Cody going to draw you in? Um, probably not because I'm not on that nightmare narcotic like certain friends of ours are. Um, so I, you know, it, I don't honestly know what they can do to draw me in to, I don't, I don't know what they can do to make me believe that Roman is going to lose the title. I, I'm, I guess I'm one of the few who didn't think that there was any possibility that Drew was going to win the, the championship at um whatever that whatever the Cardiff pay-per-view was uh, clash of the castle clash of the castle i didn't i thought there was no possible way that was happening but my timeline my timeline erupted that saturday afternoon in people going oh i totally thought it was going to happen and i'm like what are you talking about well if you remember here on the podcast i kind of like hedged my bets i was like right. eh, i was real wishy-washy on it you know sure just because like i could see um why they would do it and why they could do it, but with the Roman streak and everything, you've booked themselves into a corner that you right. can't do the classic attitude error or whatever quick, you know, title loss and then wins it right back. You know, right? They can't do that anymore. Right. It, it's 
it's just become too big a thing. It, in order for Roman to lose the title, it is going to have to be an event, a, okay. an enormous event. So I'm not going to say that these are your only options, but if you believe the internet and you believe the speculation going forward with the two-day WrestleMania and how that's all going to work, if your choices are Cody or The Rock to be the ones to dethrone Roman, who are you picking? I mean, I would go with Cody. Right. um, Because I don't see where... I don't see how putting the putting the title on the rock gets you anywhere. He's not going to I I mean unless they have some sort of deal worked out where he's going to be back on a regular basis it doesn't it doesn't seem to make sense to me. It's kind of it almost feels like going backwards frankly. Um so I would I would go with Cody in that scenario, but I almost think that you need to like I, I guess maybe in the run up to WrestleMania, it would be better if we could kind of build someone who hasn't been at that level yet. And I don't know if I mean, look, I'm gonna make no bones about it. Sami Zayn is one of my favorite wrestlers. So is there a po- you know is there a path maybe for Sami Zayn to finally become a world champion in WWE? Who maybe. Now- turning on the bloodline maybe you know maybe there's a maybe there's a storyline there where you know like they did a what was it a couple weeks ago where the the usos really wanted him to hit kevin owens with a chair and um you know he was sort of hesitated and you know maybe there's a maybe there's something there that they could do that would lead to him versus roman um but I, i i don't even know that that would necessarily work uh, so I could see them doing Sammy versus Roman as a SmackDown paper, uh, SmackDown main event. Sure. As a B show pay per view main event. Sure. And they could, if anyone can make believably make you believe that he could win the title, it would be Babyface Sammy. That's true. Um, he ain't gonna. Nope. But him getting a bunch of real near, real close near falls and a lot of big moves and, you know, Roman having to unleash everything to take out Sami Zayn, I think it would do more for Sami Zayn, the character, than being a champion. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think at this point, Roman, the character, needs the title until he doesn't need the title when they decide right. who that next person is going to be. And I really think it's going to be Cody. I I can see that. I mean that that's the thing that makes the most slot, like logical sense. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean I want to see it, but it makes the most sense. Right. And you know, we have other, you know, we could sit here and talk about this and I'll just kind of end it with this. Um, you know, it was kind of very public that Cody came in as a Bruce hire. Mm-hmm. And with whatever Bruce's position of the company is today, it's not the same as it was when Cody was hired. Uh, back in February, March of this sure, year. He's, he's actually been recording podcasts. Well, there's allegedly one coming out this week. I'll believe it when I see it, you know, <laughs> or hear it, right? Um, but that being said, I think Cody, being the political strategist that he is, comes in and does the on-screen stuff and also does the media stuff saying how Triple H is his favorite wrestler. Right. Right. Where when he was in AEW, he said that Sting was his favorite wrestler, right? (laughs) 
very he was, sma- he was smashing thrones. Yeah, very political, very Machiavellian, if you will. Yes. Uh, so it will be interesting to see if Triple H sees through Cody's bullshit <laughs> and how this all works out. You know, that's the real X factor to all of this. Definitely. Um, whether I'm a fan or you're a fan, we're not of Cody. I'm fascinated by the existence of Cody as a human. And, like, to see him attempt to appropriate, like, real human emotion is so fascinating. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but him as a wrestler is just, like, blah. He has great connection with the crowd. He doesn't connect with me, but I get nope. it. Uh, it'll just be very interesting to see that when he's healthy, when he's ready, where he's going to be positioned in uh, Triple H's World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah. And how he's going to be portrayed on screen where Bruce's portrayal of him was very clear. I'm Dusty's dad, Dusty's son. Uh, Dusty never won that title, and my goal is to win the title that my dad never won. I could see them going away from that, but you never sure. know. Um, I. It would be interesting to see if uh, maybe there's a Stardust uh, reemergence. No, I don't think they would <laughs> ever go that far. Uh, I, do you think he would ever let them go that far? No. I think I Cody 2022, 2023 has too much stroke as a person. Uh, yeah, has too I would much agree. Whatever you want to call it, that he would never do that character again. Now, granted, they might do a skit where, skit where somebody comes out and mocks him. Sure. But you're never going to see Cody put that makeup on or that bodysuit on ever again. I, I would agree with that. It was just, you know, who's was there. Might as well say it. For sure. Um, so let's let's switch uh, switch maybe uh, programs a little bit. Uh, there was something that happened on Dynamite last night that I thought was really interesting, and that was the title change. I do not have the background with Ring of Honor that somebody like yourself does. <laughs> okay. However. I have been a fan of Claudio Castagnoli in his many guises for over a decade at this point. And I, I was stunned, I have to say, by what happened in the Ring of Honor championship match on Dynamite, Grand Slam. Um, Chris Jericho is your new Ring of Honor champion. Joe, as a as a dyed in the wool Ring of Honor fan, I know you went to a number of shows in the very early days of Ring of Honor. I did. How does that make you feel? Eh. Okay. Um, you know, AEW has so many singles titles on TV. Um, you know, obviously you got the world title. Technically, I guess the TV title, you know, for sake of comparison, mm-hmm. is a IC or US level title right Right. um then you've got the atlantic title Mm -hmm. and you've got the ftw title which is a defendable title and you got the ring of honor title and you got the ring of honor pure title and then like we're not even getting into the tag titles all the tag titles that ftr has the six-man titles the roh six-man titles the women's title the women's TBS title, um, <laughs> you know, a, so there's all these things. Title. Yeah. Like, oh. so ring of honor, like I'm a fan and I followed and everything else like that. But 
after the Sinclair purchase, it was no longer the same company that it was from 2002 to 2008, let's say, right? right? So I know there's a lot of people, you know, is this the same lineage as the title that, like, Loki and Xavier and Samoan Joe and Austin Aries and all these other people held? Yeah, sure. Does it have the same prestige? Seven other singles titles down in the AEW lineup of titles? Not really. Um, I, I I was kind of prepared for this as I saw a lot of the chatter on uh, social media leading up to the episode of Dynamite this week. A lot of people just saying like, oh yeah, Jericho's one of the belt. It's like this, that, the other thing. Uh, Tony's going to use this as like the leverage chip to try to get Ring of Honor TV and all these other things. Um, I know Carrie Silken, friend of mine, got involved in the match, which was yes. very funny. Yes, he did. Um, I, you know, again, it's a world title. You know, it is what it is. In 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 AEW, um, so this is this is my hypocrisy. Okay, uh, the only title that really means anything, the only men's singles title that means anything in AEW is the world title. Sure. Except if it's a title that's held by Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, or Page. <laughs> if I, it's a title held by them, it's a similar, if not higher, prestige than the world title. Completely agree. <laughs> right. Um, but agree. yeah, it just uh, Jericho. Jericho as the Ring of Honor champion is very funny. It is very funny. Uh, I. It's funny that you say that that was the chip that he that uh, Tony's using to try and get Ring of Honor TV time. I almost it almost seemed to me like what they were doing was maybe telling us maybe starting to tell a story of or continuing to tell the story of the dissension between Chris Jericho and Daniel Garcia. Sure, there's which there's, I think is interesting. Yeah, there's a piece there, of course, uh, since uh, Daniel Garcia is the pure champion and now Jericho is the world champion. There was people speculating that at the pay per view they're going to do like a title unification match with the two belts. Mm-hmm. And that's like just adding like a little extra zhuzh to the uh, impending Garcia Jericho match, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of like on screen reasons for it to happen. There's a lot of off screen reasons for it to happen. But like I said, Jericho as the Ring of Honor champion is just uh, it's just so funny. I don't know. It yeah, just cracks cracks me up. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, obviously there's the other big things that happen on Dynamite, and we could sit here talking about all this stuff. But I'm going to go with one other thing, kind of a sure. dark horse thing. Um, so there's a bit on TV, a promo segment on the ramp between MJF and Wheeler Yuta. And so many people were like, oh, my God, Wheeler Yuta looked like shit. He sounded horrible. It sucked. He was terrible. Max ripped him apart. And listen, man, I get it. So many people out there love MJF. Um I, I don't want it to be misconstrued that I hate MJF. Right. And they even addressed it in the promo where Wheeler's like, you always go for the low-hanging fruit, mm-hmm. and he does. Yes, he does. Um, But Wheeler, a guy who has maybe cut, like, two promos on live TV uh, in his entire career where MJF does one every week for the last three years. Sure. Um, I feel as though Wheeler held his own. Uh, he wasn't supposed to go out there and be able to match wits and cut the same promo that MJF does. I, I feel as though the segment, again, kind of exposed a little bit 
of how MJF is just like, um, you know, I, there's a there's a Cornettism, and whatever your opinions of Jim Cornette is, there's still good things to be picked, uh, non-racist, non-sexist, non-homophobic things that you could pick from Jim Cornette, <laughs> is where he would say that if you uh, if you steal from one if you steal from one person, it's robbery. If you steal from multiple people, it's research. Right. And there's so much of what MJF does. It's like, I'm going to take a little piece of this guy and 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 a little piece of this guy. And I'm going to put them all together. And that's going to be the MJF persona. And I know he had done like the media stuff leading up to uh, grand slam. And um, I can't watch an MJF media interview because it's the fakest phoniest shit in the world. Oh man. But there's real stuff in there. Like what he talks about, like, Terry Funk, or he talks about how, like, people are, like, in a gift culture. Like, a lot of that rings true. Sure. But then when he says stuff like, no, I don't watch New Japan. I think it sucks. Like, okay. Either you think, either you watch a ton of New Japan and you you think it sucks, or you don't watch any New Japan and then that's the end of the say- statement. I don't watch any New Japan. So I can't say if New Japan is good or bad because I don't watch any of it. Right. But when MJF says, I don't watch New Japan, it sucks – He's going out of his way to say things to make people mad at him. And when he does that in what's supposed to be a legitimate sit-down interview with real media, I can't take anything else that you say serious. And that's just, like, one thing, right? Sure. But there's so much of the on-screen MJF persona that just isn't him. Um, None of it feels like a fully fleshed-out character. And, you know... Max has only been working for like six or seven years, seven years from now, he's probably going to figure it all out and, you know, like lean more on this and lean less on that and kind of figure out where his real voice comes in. And I I just feel as though the way that wrestling crowds are in 2022, especially the AEW audience, and I know that they don't have any strong heels right now, but the MJF character works so much better as a baby face. Yeah, I think crowd. it's it's interesting because I think he's still playing heel. Yes. At this point, um, he has not gone all the way to dropping into that character to use like an improv term. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he is doing the things that heels are that he thinks heels are supposed to do. Right. Like the line about. You know, all of these guys would, you know, all of the men in the audience would let me sleep, sleep with their wives, but I wouldn't because I had standards like that. Just that, that line just comes across as phony. Right. Especially when when he just publicly proposed to his longtime girlfriend. Right. And he comes out and says, that's not the character. You know, that's not, you know, that's me, really, the character that you see on TV proposing to his girlfriend. Right. So it's like eh, the. It's not that the line gets blurred. It's I don't think he knows how to balance it correctly. Exactly. And I don't think because he's so over and because he gets such a reaction, you really can't coach that sort of behavior to course correct it so that you don't like contradict yourself with every promo that you caught. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see what he what it what his character and what he as a wrestler look like in a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just the last bit of business, and again, um, nothing official, a lot of discussion, of course, um, online, and we don't deal in a rumor and innuendo on this show. 
<laughs> but um, there is talk that CM Punk is done. The ru- the run is over. Um, going out in the blaze of glory that he is, <laughs> and you have the two camps of the people that are like, um, the the year that Punk had in AEW was the greatest year of any one person in professional wrestling, and the other people that say. Uh, it was the worst year of anyone, the worst comeback, good riddance, go fuck yourself. Uh, Punk is not called, so I can't give my public opinion in regards <laughs> to this. Neither of the Bucks. Uh, the phone lines are still open for either party to do so. Uh, that being said, um, you know, whether he's gone or not, we don't know for sure. Um but if we are to believe that he's gone, his return is not the best thing that ever happened. But it's far from the worst return of anyone in professional wrestling. Sure. I don't think it cracks the top ten. It's so it's interesting. I said um, to our mutual friend Ed from Pod Van Dam on Twitter today that a a lot of my fandom of wrestling was rekindled. By the CM Punk Straight Edge Society run in 2010. Um, But that doesn't preclude me from understanding that he is really kind of an asshole. (laughs) And probably is really hard to deal with at times. Uh, Sure. I I am sort of in the camp where I think everybody in this situation is at fault. I think that nobody looks like a good guy in this. And I, I've thought that since the night it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, I think can, could E could AEW make more money with CM Punk than without him? I think maybe, but I think they will be just fine. I think they have enough talent and enough good talent, yes, to overcome the lack of uh, the lack of CM Punk and, for, and frankly, the lack of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Yeah, uh, and, and I will say this, and you know, these are not the only metrics, but these are metrics that people look at. Um, they're not, you know, uh, hurting for ticket sales. You nope. know, I think uh, if it didn't already sell out, it's damn near close to selling out full gear. Uh, their next pay-per-view in right. November. Um, TV ratings for the last three weeks have been up and mm-hmm. consistently up from what they were before three weeks ago. Um, these are metrics that I really don't care about. Um, I care about good matches and entertaining TV. Um, and I will say I would skip a Young Buck segment and I wouldn't skip a Punk segment. Sure. Um, and on TV, the last three weeks, there's no segments that I don't skip. I'll watch the whole show, you know? <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully whatever Phil figures out to do with his life, uh, is what makes him happy as a notorious, miserable person. I hope he tries MMA again. Yeah, that's what I said. I hope he gives MMA a whirl. Um, I hope he goes write some comic books. I was gonna say maybe he'll write some more comic books. Yeah, and we can come back and revisit this whole professional wrestling thing in seven years. You know, twenty twenty nine. Yeah, twenty twenty nine seems like a good return for Summer of Punk four. Um, he'll be in his mid fifties. Yep. Yeah. 
Won't we all? Yeah. Um, so let's get into the homework that you assigned. Uh, yes. Let's. Last week. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Uh, David, I'll, I'll let you know this. Um, typically, when I play these bumpers like that, mm-hmm. that's the time that you can, if you need to, you could send me a message that you need to go <laughs> use the bathroom. I'm good. Okay. Um, so, uh, David assigned me, uh, the Chikara event from 2015, uh, King of Trios Night 2, September 5th, uh, 2015. It's available over on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Um, if you do not get a chance to watch it, you can go check out our friend Kevin's website, uh, mastlibrary.com. He always does a write-up for whatever the homework assignment is. And his write-up this week was very interesting. Okay. Um, because, so, because you've been going chronologically yes. through, like, 2012, 2013 Chikara, this is a bit of a departure. Um, this was not meant to kind of coincide with that. I chose King of Trios 2015 Night 2 for some very specific reasons. Okay. And part of it is it's one of the best nights of my life outside of, like, anything having to do with my family. Um. Right, because you came I, in from Colorado for the whole weekend. Right? I did. I came yes. out to I came out to Easton uh, Labor Day weekend of 2015. Um, it was the first time that I've traveled to see wrestling, like ever. Uh, it was one of the. It was it was a fantastic weekend. I had a great time meeting a bunch of people that in person that I had known from Twitter. There were people who I didn't know that I met, and like we struck up Twitter friendships after that. Um. Night 2 specifically has stuck out in my mind for a very long time, obviously the seven years since it happened, because not only was it a a fantastic night of wrestling, but afterwards I got to break bread with some good friends. I got to break bread with you, uh, our friend, not the tool man, Tim Taylor. And my podcast partner at the time, Jason Kirk. We went to we went to a Perkins after the show. Right, uh, we right. recorded we recorded an episode, a live episode uh, of our our uh, show Podvocacy that was going up at the time. Um, and it has remained in my mind as one of my favorite nights of wrestling ever. So that was I mean this this was kind of a nostalgia trip for me. Sure, is what it was. So that's why I picked it. Right, and obviously Kevin mentions because we've been so entran- uh, en- en- engrossed in all the 2012-2013 Chikara stuff for a reason. We're building up to a certain point. It's the sure. next show that I'm going to assign in the homework, and then we need to. Then I need to make some hard decisions of what we get to watch from there. <laughs> right. Um, I know Adam li- will be listening to this. Uh, do I make Adam watch Ashes? Oh, I, I think you should. But as as an independent film actor, I have a love for Ashes that I don't think very many other people have. Right. 
because I know what it's like to make a a very 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 low budget film. Um, and I think I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there, especially mm-hmm. as you as you go into the the next season of Chikara. For sure. Uh, I just I just think if I'm not mistaken, isn't it like really long too? That's like I want to say it's like 75 minutes or something like that. Why it's, did I think it was longer? I don't think I. I want to say it's like it's not quite. It's longer than you would think it is, but it's not quite like a full feature length film. But I could be wrong. Right, like I could do a separate commentary on it outside of. Uh, you know, whatever might be out there. And I'm just pulling it up here. It is on Jerry's Internet Wrestling right. Emporium. Uh, as I'm just opening this up here, and I'm going to make sure that if it bleeds through a little bit, it bleeds through. It's no big deal. Yeah, yeah I'm probably going to end up making Adam watch it as I'm just waiting for it to load. I was having loading issues with watching the show uh, today. As a great, I was post- a great poster, by the way. That is a great poster. It is a great poster. That uh that you know with uh Fire Ant and Ultramanus back to back and then uh Icarus silhouetted in fo- in flames at the bottom. Yeah, so it's 76 like, minutes. Yeah. Um and it'll be interesting to kind of watch not only for Adam but also for the other folks maybe mm-hmm. um just to kind of see um what gets set up and yes. What gets paid off and what never gets mentioned ever again, <laughs> you know? Yes. That's that's true. Yeah. Now, I got to see his National Pro Wrestling Day 2014 on here. I mean, I don't even know. I don't know that you if you're going to have him watch Ashes, I don't even know that you necessarily need National Pro Wrestling Day 2014 mm. since the most important part of that. I mean, there there are some good matches on don't get me wrong there are some good matches on uh, on 2014's show but the the biggest part of it is a part of ashes as well okay um without giving too much away i guess is that the stuff with archibald pack yes okay cuz i it's, wanted to make sure that a- i was concerned that adam saw that right so okay. you basically get the end of the final match okay which I, I don't think this is really a spoiler that anybody cares about is Heidi Lovelace versus, oh man, I, I'm blanking on his name, Joe. He was from the Indy, he was from Wrestling His Heart. Yes. Tom um, Green is yelling at us right now. Right. I know he is. Um, and I can't remember what his last name is, but that, you know, that match got interrupted and then everything goes from there. And from the, it's like from like the last couple of minutes of that match to the end of National Pro Wrestling Day. It's all part of Ashes. Okay, so then that works. That'll be yeah. that'll be good, right? All right, so let's get into this show yeah. uh, that David assigned. Now, <laughs> um, obviously, we're you know almost two years plus in the timeline from the stuff that we've been watching, right? Um, and obviously, I'm very much in the Chikara bubble. Um, and have been for a good part of my wrestling fandom. So I feel as though everything that you needed to know was very self-contained in this. And I think if your introduction to Chikar was the stuff that I was assigning here, you know, uh, uh, Kevin made a great analogy to a 
uh, image storyline where they just jumped all the books ahead several months. Right. And then like, oh, here's where all these characters are. And we're going to show you how they get there over the next six months. Right. So I thought that was kind of an interesting analogy. And I don't think everyone was there's a lot of new characters. Sure. There are some new allegiances and stuff. Right. Um, but nothing too crazy out of the ordinary, you know? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that I took away from his uh, write-up is what is Challenge of the Immortals? Because that kept getting referenced and without really any explanation. And it was basically a year-long tournament where at the beginning of the season, a bunch of teams had been, you know, captains had been named. They had to pick teams. Um, it wasn't quite a throwback to, like, the Chikarabur metrics, but it was somewhat reminiscent of it. Right. Uh, and just uh, Joe Pittman was the guy's name. Right. Joe Pittman. I looked it up while we were talking here. Very, very right. handsome so man. Storyline was you have all these groups and all these different people. They get to pick their own four team, whatever. And by having a bunch of different matches throughout the course of the season, singles matches, tag matches, trios matches, uh, Atomico's matches, you accumulate points. And if you have the most points at the end of the season, all four members of your team get some sort of title opportunity. Right. They all get their own money in the bank payoff. Right. Right. Yep. Uh, So that's really all it is. But that kind of takes a backseat to what's going on on the show, except in the opening contest, which is Jaka managed by Sidney Bacabella taking on, in my opinion, uh, the much more superior character, uh, smooth sailing Ashley Remington. Completely agree. I wrote in my notes, I know that he probably prefers being Dalton Castle, and it's probably a more marketable gimmick, but I really miss Ashley Remington. Yes. Uh, the, the yacht stuff. Uh, the anti-Brian Danielson. Right. He, the, he breaks I, on the, one. The huge production of breaking on one. <laughs> Um, And I don't know if you got a chance to see uh, AEW Dark Elevation this week. Uh, I Uh, saw a little bit of it. I did see that he and the the boys were on it. Right. So it's uh, Ian Riccoboni and, uh, and again, Daddy Magic, Matt Menard, Matt Lee, Shane Matthews, whatever the hell his name is, doing commentary. And Ian is the straight man. And he brings up a lot of stuff. He's really good at feeding into the stuff that Daddy Magic says. And he name drops Ashley Remington. Oh, I missed that. And Matt Menard dies. He loses it on commentary. <laughs> it's so great, you know? Perfect. Um, but they're a great duo. I, I know they got to do some more matches this week. And That's I good. hope that means Ian gets a regular job. You know? Oh, me too. Uh, anytime Ian Riccoboni is in my headphones, it makes me happy. For sure. Um, so this is a challenge of the immortals match. I don't even fucking know what team Ashley Remington is on battle hive or whatever the fuck. Yes. He was part of the battle hive, which was, I believe fire ant worker, ant Amasis and Ashley Remington. Right. And, And the real reason for this was, um, it was just so that they could have these matches where certain people couldn't be booked or weren't available. Like, I think if you go back and look, um, at, Ashley Remington's participation in Challenge of the Immortals, it's very seldom. Because this is right around the time that he signed a Ring of Honor contract. Right. And it was difficult to get dates on him, Mm -hmm. which is exactly what was um, predicted would happen. And then it happened to him and a bunch of other people. So, um, you know, these year-long 
multiple people tournament storyline things that Quack did were always snake bit. They never sure. worked out in the end, and he never learned his lesson. <laughs> um, that being said, oh, I would be remiss before we start the show. Um, the bit at the beginning with Gavin doing crowd work, uh, mm-hmm. I love how yeah. much the bit with the little kid died. And oh my gosh. It it's so awkward and so like uh, cringy. Yes. It's. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wanted to grab screenshots of it to send out while I was doing the homework. But um, we'll get to it when it gets directly involved in one of the matches. But there was like a specter hanging over the Easton Funplex that weekend. <laughs> a banner, if you will, that was just ever present <laughs> in the hard camera shot. And we'll get into it when we get to the match where that gets paid off, right? Right. Yep. Um, but this match is what it is. It was fine. These guys work well together. Yes. Um, you know, in the storyline. So I'll say, uh, oh, and oh, top shelf Troy Nelson. Yes. Uh, is the referee in this. I, I didn't note that. He, uh, yes. he appears throughout this show. He certainly does. This was the beginning of him getting his foot in Chikara. Um, you know, obviously as Bryce's, you know, whatever was taking up. And we'll get to, you know, the, the end storyline and angle there. Right. Uh, there needs to be more reliable referees in Chikara. Uh, you know, Troy is and was a wrestler, but he saw his opportunities of referee and he took it. Um, I'm glad that he did end up getting to work a match in uh, Chikara down the road because he was a super fan. I think it came up maybe when we talked about the show in Maine earlier this year. Okay. The Eddie Kingston versus Sarah Del Rey show. Um, there was a... Or no, New Hampshire. I said Maine. New Hampshire. Right. Um, like there was a bit with uh, Billy Kumahara going through the crowd before the show, uh, like doing like the crowd work for the fans. And Troy was just one of the guys there as a fan. Right. And it was him going to that show that made him decide to get involved in wrestling nice. in more than just a fan uh, way. Right. That's great. Uh, but so the, the finish of this match is. Sydney Bacabella hitting Ashley Remington with the loaded uh, pay envelope, a, a right? suspiciously heavy envelope. Yes, which means um, that it's not it's not a padded envelope. Yes, it, it seems it, anti Sydney Bacabella. Right. Well, <laughs> uh, it's it's to pay off at the end of the night, you know. Right. So if no, you're yeah, watching this show itself in a vacuum, it's set up in match one to pay off. In the finish, I just think it's funny that the the ver- the vernacular over the last couple of years of the padded lope, right? This is the this is the opposite of that. So, um, I will say this match goes like twelve minutes, which maybe was a little bit too long. Maybe, maybe, maybe. for the opener, it should have been like Bing Bang Boom, six eight minutes, get in, get out. You know? Yeah. Um. Next up, we have one of our quarterfinals for King of Trios. Mm-hmm. As a Fight Club Pro, uh, which is Trent Seven, Tyler B- Bate, and not the Long Island baloney, um, <laughs> Phil Baroni, but the UK baloney, maybe Dan Maloney, uh, take on Juan Francisco de Coronado, Mr. Azerbaijan, and friend of the show, and just a small child in this match. Yes. Uh, the proletariat bore of Moldova. Still had thighs, though. Yes. Uh, still probably the outside of uh, the UK baloney uh, was probably by far the biggest, tallest oh. person in this match. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
a match was what it was. Everybody, you know, got to showcase. Everybody got to do like a little bit of ha ha. Uh, I did get really scared on that double power bomb attempt. Oh man, boy, that was a that was a sight to behold. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting. So there are a couple things that stand out to me in this match. Um, I'm not going to talk about the individual, but the the music that the team of the United Nations uses. Uh, it's a study in like the of how important music can be, mm-hmm. because the minute the crowd heard that music, they knew exactly who was coming through the curtain, and the boos were instantaneous. Yes. Um, and then on the opposite side, it was wild to me how over Team Fight Club Pro was. Yeah, because. They had done they had done a couple of dark matches. There was a there was a UK tour earlier in the season. Right. They had done some dark matches, but like really most of that crowd saw them for the first time the previous evening. Well, no, and I will no. say this. Were they uh, so it's the next year where they're the tag champions, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. I wasn't sure if it was the year before the year after. Yes, nope, yes. This okay. is the this is like I think this is the first time that any of them had come to America for to wrestle. Okay. And I mean, like this is, I mean, this is Tyler Bate. He's still 18 here, I think, or maybe he just turned 19. Um, But like they were literally an overnight sensation. For sure. And uh, by the way, I like the Dave Clark five. Did I make some sort of remark? Yeah, you did. Um, Yeah, you, there was, uh, there was, you and Bryce were talking about the British invasion and you you referred to them as the Dave, the Dave Clark Five of wrestling. Oh, okay. Which I I'm a big fan. So I, I say a bunch of dumb shit on commentary, <laughs> you know. And I I did commentary on this whole show. Um. Yes. So again, I I really am not a fan of I hearing my not. voice, but like you know, doing all these Chikara shows, I'm starting to get used to it. You know. Sure. I enjoy it. I enjoy you on commentary. Um. You you make you make good comments. You make funny comments, and sometimes you make good and funny comments. I try, and I, I try to like not deter from the match. And there was a right. couple times I'm trying to think where there is a match later on where me and Bryce kind of get too far up our own asses making jokes okay. about stuff. Well. Um, and I'm I'm very I, I was very uh, cognizant of that as like sure. things would go on. Okay, so Team Fight Club Pro wins. They move on. Mm-hmm. This match like 11 minutes perfect is what it is. Yep. Um, next up is the first of two four-way eliminator qualifiers for the Raid of Oladores, uh, tournament plaque thing, whatever, uh, AKA King of the Flippy Little Boys right. championship. Uh, this one is, uh, M-Dog, 20, Matt Cross, Two Cold Scorpio, Shinron, and Amasis. Uh, Shinron won the previous year. This is elimination style. Um... Shinron wins again, and he's on track to be the first person ever to repeat winning this tournament. Right. Uh, so I, I, watching this match, he's kind of like I, I know he still wrestles, but like he seems to have gone out away from like the the sort of mainline indies. And I forget how amazing Shinron was in this run in Chikara. Right. Like he does. Some of the most amazing moves, his body control, his uh, ability to contort himself and make his body do things that I just can't even fathom doing is is amazing. Just uh, just a a very special uh, flippy wrestler. 
Right. And I, I definitely think that he just never found his spot in what wrestling right. would be. Um, I think maybe he saw himself as one thing. Promoter saw himself him as something else. And the fans like you and I would see him as like this amazing aerial artist. But again, none of these three ideas lined up. I think he's in MLW now. Yeah, I know he was. I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't watched MLW in a while. I know for a while he was. I assume he's probably still there. But right. Yeah. Zenshi, I think, is what he's going yes. by now. Yes. So, uh, uh, just, so a, like, just a great wrestler. Yes, uh, really, really impressive. And, you know, I think we did a good job at trying to put that over on commentary. Yeah. Comes down to him and Too Cold, Scorpio is the last two. And again, a great use of, you know, when you bring in a legend like Too Cold, Scorpio, um, you know, if you're not going to have him win the whole thing, he definitely should lose to the guy who's going to win the whole thing to give that guy the rub on his way to the finals or winning the whole thing. Right. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so next up, we have another quarterfinal match, which is the AAA team of Phoenix, the pride of uh, Cleveland, Ohio, Drago, <laughs> and Aerostar taking on Hollow Wicked, Frightmare, and Silver Ant. Uh, they did a bit the night before we mentioned it on commentary where Silver Ant debuts the new half Silver Ant, half Hollow Wicked style mask. Right. And they did a bit. Um, where uh, Silver Ant did like a real cool quick change in the middle of the ring without exposing his face at the end of the match at night one. And then this was kind of like, he was still a baby face. Hollow Wicked and Frightmare were kind of more evil. And it was this whole thing of like, now that Hollow Wicked could talk and it's the, you know, the stuff with Nas Muldoon and how that's Mm -hmm. affecting and infecting the other people around him. This may have been a little bit more heady of a storyline, even at the time to get into. And, you know, obviously watching the 2012-2013 stuff like we assign, this might have been a little bit too much. This match was good, but I definitely felt like the contrast of styles just didn't work so well. Yeah, there. so I remember this match being somewhat infamous. Okay. Um, a, a word that maybe I've overused this evening. Uh, but this is the match where... Something happened and Phoenix got legitimately hot and started swearing in Spanish. Okay. Um, it, you, you don't really see it on the show because it was very edited. Or it was like edited around fairly artfully. But I remember in the building that night, like there was a, there was a big, you can't say that chant. Um, I remember hearing from people who were sitting over kind of on the side of the ring where the nightmare warriors were that Frightmare turned around and asked what, uh, whatever Phoenix said meant. Cause he didn't, he didn't speak Spanish. <laughs> um, but this was, I'll, I'll be honest. This was the story that I was most wrapped up in, in time at, at the time. Uh, Green Ant, original Green Ant, who would go on to become Silver Ant, was my favorite Chikara wrestler. And when he was picked by the Nightmare Warriors at the beginning of Challenge of the Immortals, it was a really interesting um, dichotomy because you had these, because it was Frightmare, Hollow Wicked, and Blind Rage, and then Silver Ant. And so mm-hmm. Silver Ant is sort of the odd man out because. He's he's a babyface. He's a, or a technico. He wants to he wants to compete as hard as he can because he wants to win, and he's going to 
um, he's going to work with his team to win. He's not necessarily going to go the way that they're go the way that they're going about it. He's not necessarily going to do those things. They have like the Nas Muldoon prayer circle that he sort of avoids whenever he's with them. And you know that night at King uh, night one of King of Trios at the end of that match, as you said, like he joins the prayer circle after they win their first round match. Um, Hollow Wicked like rips off. Uh, the the silver ant mask and exposes underneath it this sort of half and half mask mm-hmm. where it's silver ant on one side and Nas Muldoon on the other. And it was, I, I remember saying at the time to the pe- to people that I was talking to that my heart was breaking <laughs> because seeing the conflict within him and seeing him start to drift towards a more, a more heelish attitude was you know like it was it 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 got to me, um. But I, and I loved it. I, I it was it was such good storytelling, um. You know, obviously they lose this match. Trip, Team AAA wins. Uh, Silverant sort of gets trapped in the ring when uh, Hollow Wicked like does a dive and lands on Frightmare, uh, or the other way around. Um, yeah, Frightmare's I, the one that takes the. Yeah, pin. that's yeah. right. That's right. Um. So yeah, good stuff. Um, so next up, we have an eight-man tag uh, with the Flying Francis's uh, <laughs> Arctic Rescue Ant Orbit Adventure Ant, right? Uh, taking on the returning 3.0 uh, Scott Jagged Parker and Shane Matthews, and their tag team partners NRG, uh, Race Jackson, and Hype Rockwell. None of these people will ever be known by any other names. No, exactly. So uh, uh, NRG come out. They've got their new high-energy knockoff theme. They've got their high-energy knockoff gear with the suspenders. And all of this comes uh, because of their new product placement that they have (laughs) with the banner that had been looming in the background this entire (laughs) evening. And that was Electric Monkey Energy Drink. You mean Monkey Milk. A.K.A. Monkey Milk. (laughs) Shilled by Stan Malik. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, it's... This is such a great diversion. It's it's so... uh, It's so Chikara. Yeah. Is the thing... I mean, like, you've got the fact that it's the Magic Move match. Right, and Um, so it's the Magic Move match. I wish they showed... Gavin like setting up the magic move to the crowd, right? Because I don't think Mike and I do as good as a job on commentary getting it over, right? It's less for commentary; it's more for it's the live for crowd. Live. But you're doing a thing where you set up. It's an easy way to get heat in a match. If like here's a move, if somebody hits it, everybody wins a prize, right? Right. Yep. Baby faces are going to try to hit it. Heels are going to try to stop them from hitting it. Right. Very easy way to add a story into a match that has no story. But unless you convey that, you have to bear in mind that like other people than the live crowd are going to be watching this. Sure. And it like, almost I think would work better Mike as a dark a, match. Right. And I think me and Mike did a bad job of conveying that. Yeah. So I I did not watch the version that is on um, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Oh, I have okay. my I have my downloaded copy. Gotcha. Which has all of the all of the interstitial stuff as well as extra promos that aren't on the that I don't think are on the uh, IWTV version. 
Oh, um, get so the hell I actually, out of here. Yeah, no. So I actually did get to see Gavin explaining the the how the magic move worked. So. Oh, that's so interesting that that's on that version, but not yeah. on the Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium version. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Um, and uh, 3.0 and NRG win that match. Um, of course, we, they did hit the magic move, the vertical suplex. Right. A you know a, a a stranger move there could never be for the magic move match. <laughs> um, um, and it's always you know it's always something really basic that everyone right can yes. Play. Oh, and that's so funny too. So even when I type in Chikaratopia, mm-hmm. it directs oh. me to IWTV landing page for Chikara stuff. Interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Anyway. Huh. Um, next up, we have another quarterfinal match. It is, uh, the Bullet Boys, a.k.a. the Young Bucks and Blue Mittens himself, AJ Styles, <laughs> uh, taking on Battleborn of Killer Kevin Condren, Lucas Calhoun, and Missile Assault Man. Yes. Um, so this match I thought was good. The people that were good in this match were really good, and the Mm -hmm. people that weren't in this match very good kind of got exposed a little bit that they might not be able to cut it in the ring. I think you're right. Um, You know, I know Kevin kind of extolled the virtues of how good uh, Missile Assault Man was, and I'm biased, and Mm -hmm. I Derek's my buddy. Um, I got a chance to see Derek at the Steel Sack Smackdown show. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, he always he always pops into the LVAC shows. Oh, that's He's one cool. of those things where, like, I'll be doing commentary. He'll come over, wave, and then he'll disappear. Oh, okay. But this time he got me at intermission, and we had a oh, I got a chance to catch up with him. He's doing great. That's awesome. Um, you know, so on and so forth. And he hasn't wrestled in a while, but he he's like, he goes, eh, it's not like I'm not in shape. <laughs> it's not like I'm not like, I like sitting it. here watching this and getting itchy, you know? Right. And I uh, go, well, you I go, listen, you're local. You tell me. I got the boss's ear. I'll let him right. know that you're free, you know? He's I always just, pitched me. If I, I'm going to tell you off air uh, who just recently got pitched to okay. be the uh, I, I, uh, making their debut at the next LVAC show. I can't wait. I'm not going to say it on the air, but again, Love you it. send me. If you, you PayPal me 30 bucks, I'll tell you. That's right. Uh, three guys from nowhere at AOL.com. Gmail.com. Gmail.com. Well, who am I? Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're my, my I'm not that old. Come on. Um, but there's a bit in this. There's two bits in this match. Uh, one where uh, Missile Assault Man does the rolling Northern Light Suplex. Mm-hmm. After the match, the Bucks told him, we're stealing that from you. Yep. And they did. Yep, they sure did. Um, and then there was also a prolonged spot in the match because they are the Bullet Boys mm-hmm. and because they do finger guns. Right. There was a bit where AJ Styles doing his finger guns triggered Missile Assault Man's PTSD mm-hmm. from the bus full of children <laughs> that I didn't know blew we were up go into in this. Zimbabwe. And just a year prior, when another comedy group did a finger gun spot, they all got reamed out in front of uh, the entire locker room for doing so. So for what it's worth, 
Uh-huh. I think it is a fair. I think there are some different scenarios. Okay. I think that are worth that that are that may be worth pointing out. Um, that in two thousand, you know, in two thousand sixteen, because I think it was the year after two thousand sixteen. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because yes, it yes. was the it was the the police force tag team or trio. Yes. Um, and I think there there had in that one year span. There had been some things that had gone on that maybe made uh, a comedy police team brandishing guns maybe at at a team that was comprised of foreigners maybe not the maybe not the best thing. Sure. Um, and so you know this was a little more in playing with Chikara lore. Okay. And so I think I think there is a difference there. I'll accept that. I think there's some. I think there's some nuance. Let's yes. say that. Um, say what you will about the Young Bucks and AJ Styles. Okay. But I was impressed that weekend, and I remain impressed by their willingness to play along, right, with that whole scenario. Because I, it, it was definitely something that I remember. I remember that meant something to me that night because I had been so, because, you know, by that point I had been so deep in Chikara lore. Um, and I, I, you know, and I sort of picked it out and I sort of explained to Jason who was sitting next to me, the, the whole thing with the, the bus explosion and, you know, missile assault man's backstory. Um, and I, you know, I thought that I thought it was, I thought it was a, a, a nice way of, you know, playing into the background. I also want to point out that they didn't just steal Northern Light, the, the rolling Northern Light suplexes. Okay. But Kevin Condren in this match is wearing a pair of boutique designer sneakers. Right. Uh, while the Bucks were just wearing plain black wrestling boots. So uh, maybe that would become a thing that they would take later on. Well, listen, it's, you know, and it's like uh, MJF. We're still a little bit here and there. It's research. Yeah, it's research. Um, And I would be remiss to mention um, the weekend-long storyline of AJ Styles and springboards. Yes, yes. Uh, because he had fallen on on night one, and then, like, he he becomes increasingly gun-shy about doing the, uh, like, the phenomenal forearm. Right, and he he goes for it on night two, and he thinks better of it, and the crowd's with him, and then when he doesn't do it, like, it's like, aww. Right. He goes, and we get to night three, he goes to do it again, and I think he purposely slips. Yes. And then in the main event, he goes for it and hits it, and it gets a huge reaction. Yep. That's Pretty not good something, psychology. Right. That's not something that Quack came to him and do is to say, like, all right, night one, you're going to fuck this move up. Then night two is going to be this, and then the other two matches are going to be this. It was AJ as a performer, you know, a guy at that point who had been wrestling for, what, 15 years yep. at that point? 15, 16. Yeah, to know how wrestling works and to be yep. like, okay – these are going to be the same people that are going to be here for all three nights. This is something I can play with. And he yeah. did. And it got like a huge reaction when it it's, got paid off. You know? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a, uh, a story that gets played out, played out across all three, three nights. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so next up we have the other rate of old Doris qualifying match. Um, Ophidian 
purpura. Uh, what the hell was uh, Musk? Mascara purpura. Yes, mascara Purple purpura. Mask. Pinky Sanchez and Mark Andrews. National treasure, Pinky Sanchez. Hmm. I don't know who was saying <laughs> that. At whatever. Um, <laughs> what? Pinky is very much a maligned character in the world of professional wrestling uh, and out of professional wrestling, depending on who you talk to. Oh, boy. Uh, he's definitely a guy who was able to connect with the crowd. Yes. Um, in a way, and he was very proficient in what he could do in the ring, but he was just maybe, I would say, on the indies top five of current day indie wrestlers that are unreliable which mm, sucks that's a bummer um again elimination style here um this goes 18 minutes mark andrews ends up winning right. and i know you're as shocked as i am that an ophidian match is the longest match on the show yes positively positively stunned by that fact yeah. Uh, so Mascara Purpura was somebody who I don't think very many people were aware of. He was not in like he he was not somebody who did like a lot of the the major indies at the time. This was the first time he was in Jakarta, to my knowledge. Right. Um, there is a suicide dive that looks like it almost goes terribly wrong. <laughs> uh, because he like he like dives through the ropes and it looks like he tries to flip after at the last minute. It almost didn't get around. Mm-hmm. And it's wild. Uh, but yeah, I thought, like this match was good. It was fine. But, you know, it's a flippy-do match. It is right. what it is. Yeah. Uh, and then it's time for our main event. Uh, as Devastation Corporation, all three members managed by Sidney Bacabella, mm-hmm. uh, take on the Batiri and Oleg the Usurper. Uh, Oleg the Usurper is part of the overarching group that Sidney Bacabella manages along with the Devastation Corporation um, and Jaka and Oleg. But Oleg has kind of been getting cheered by the fans and enjoying the uh, the cheers from the fans during the Challenge of the Immortals. Um, while the teams were being picked, there was a trade that Sidney got rid of Oleg but it all comes to this point in the match where, or in the show, where these two teams are lined up against each other. Sydney has the pro wrestling contract of Oleg, <laughs> and he has to do whatever Sydney tells him to do. So a good right. chunk of this match is all three members of the Devastation Corporation destroying the Batiri. Yep. It's primarily a handicap match, and yes. it is... It is absolutely one of the most compelling things I've ever seen in a wrestling ring. Yeah. Um, that that build to the point where Oleg finally has had enough. You know, when when the when the Devastation Corporation start picking on Ultra Mantis and he gets tired of you know, Sydney saying, I own you, you know, you're, you belong, you know, you belong to me. You have to do what I tell you. And even in a loss for the arcane horde, which was the, the team name of the Batiri and it was the Batiri, I believe Cobalt and Oleg was the full team for the right. challenge of immortals. Um, and when Oleg finally decides that he's had enough and he stands up for himself, just a huge triumph, even in a loss. Right. Uh, and of course, you also have the bit in this match where Bryce gets bumped. Yep. Uh, where they do the, like the Razor Ramon fallaway slam, and one of the Batiri get thrown into Bryce. Right. 
And then with Bryce being out, Max Master goes to the top and gives Bryce the scent on oh, as well. Oh, man. Oh. Um, a horrible, heinous axe. Uh, Bryce definitely didn't have a wedding that he was in the next day. <laughs> and they needed to write him out as to why he wouldn't be at night three. Right. Um, so that's how they did it. But yeah, this was less the action itself and more the storyline. Um, yes. but I think in, you know, I, I said at the beginning, I said here in a vacuum altogether, I think, uh, this show tells a great story, whether you have previous knowledge, no knowledge or whatever knowledge of the Chikara stuff. Completely agree. Okay. So with that homework out of the way, now this was supposed to be Adam's week to pick, right. uh, but obviously he couldn't be here. Um, so his pick actually is getting moved to next week. Okay. And he did send something in for that. Hi, Joe and Dewicki. It's Adam again. Nice job going over this week's show homework that I definitely, I mean, I, I assure you I watched it, I swear. <laughs> uh, but it is my turn to assign homework. I actually have two options, and I can't decide which one to pick. So, Dewicki, since you're the guest, I'm going to put fate in your hands. However, All right. you're not going to know which one you picked until after the fact. I'll explain. Oh. So in front of me, and I legitimately do, I have two pieces of paper. And one of them is marked option A, one marked option B. In just a moment, I'm going to let Ken Cannon pick an option, either A or B, and then I'll tell you guys what both of them were. All right, so DeWiki, option A, option B. Oh, uh, I'm putting I'm gonna... in a little silence there so you can make a pick. But in case you're not following, you actually have to pick one, option A, option B. Let me talk, Adam. I pick option A. All right. So option A is what we'll be watching. And I don't know if you picked this one, but option A is the April 17th, 2000 episode of WCW Nitro. So the second episode of Nitro uh, under the Millionaire's Club versus the New Blood. So I uh, really want to follow that storyline, see where it's going. Option B, if you chose this one is the Nightmare Family Showcase Episode 6. Oh, so, uh, again, I know everybody listening to this is super invested in uh, this just the ongoing storylines of the Nightmare Factory. So, uh, I hope you chose wisely. I look forward to watching either of those masterpieces. And, uh... Oh, and uh, one other thing, uh, because I'm not sure when they are going to drop the episode, but by the time you listen to At Odds, I would have already recorded my final appearance on the A Show versus the strongest man in all the land. And while while I'm sending this homework assignment into you guys, I haven't recorded yet. I can tell you that working with Durline and Decker behind the scenes on scheduling this thing and working out all the rules and the rules and the rules and the rules has been an absolute delight. These guys are so dug in on the worst <laughs> ideas. It's like pulling teeth to get them to allow the talent to perform. But I will persevere and I look forward to putting Artie through a metaphorical podcast door. Talk to you later. Bye. Uh, so I will say, welcome. yes, David, I will say that you chose wisely. I will watch a 2000 Russo era Nitro any day of the week. Who the hell knew there was even a Nightmare Family Showcase oh, 6? Man. Jesus Christ. Jeez. Oh, I just, I can't, I can't imagine. Right. All right. So it's phone calls time. All right. Show's not over yet. We still got a lot more to go. <laughs> 
And see, everyone thinks that it's Adam's fault that these nope. shows go long. Usually, it's me when I get to talk wrestling, you know? Right. All right. First call. Hey, Joe. Hey, fake Adam. It's uh, Tom Green. Um, I'm calling in pretty much a week early. Um, so, no doubt that everything's happened in the world of wrestling. But I'm going to play Nostra Thomas, if you will. I got a couple predictions for what will happen between when I place this call and when the show airs. Um, first off, I am predicting Brian Danielson wins the AEW title in New York. Uh, and then they send out MJF for the face-off. Everybody cheers MJF. And a couple people are shocked, but then everybody spends Thursday fantasy booking Brian Danielson as a heel. Um, which I'm sure will be a big topic on the show this week that everybody's already heard. Uh, second off, I'm predicting that uh, Tony Khan will suspend the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega until January the 1st. That way they can be on the Wrestle Kingdom show for New Japan. Um, and CM Punk will be fired early in the week. And then no later than Thursday morning, we'll already have his wrongful termination lawsuit drafted. <laughs> um, and yeah, everybody will have a new set of discourse. And then my third prediction is that uh, people will find out that Tony Khan, um, per his girlfriend, is not allowed to talk to any of the women in the roster. Uh, crap, I wasn't supposed to say that part out loud. <laughs> Bye. Oh. Wow. Oh, oh boy. Um, well, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, cover, uh, Tom's ass there and say, uh, he's wrong on all accounts, yep. right? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was some CM Punk discourse. He wasn't fired, but, um, also that's the closest Adam. one. Oh, I got some calls. I, I got some calls. I got to make when we're done recording here. <laughs> all <box> right. Numbers. <laughs> all right. Next call. Hello, Joe. Hello, guest host. This is Doug from Wings on Wings. I'm sure by now you've heard the news that Triple H has announced that they are going to be doing war games at Survivor Series this November. So I would like to know, Joe, what is your favorite war games match? And to the secret host, as I believe Adam is on vacation this week, what is your favorite war games match? For myself, I have to go with Russell War 1992, Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance. As I think it is slightly better than the 1989 Great American Bash match. So please let me know. Thank you very much and take care. You know, it's a special occasion when Doug calls it. It is. Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, so uh, I think I'm with Doug when you're looking at match, like beginning to end. Um, the Russell War 92 Dangerous Alliance for Sting Squadron is probably the best laid out one all the others and and this is terrible to say and like i'm gonna catch heat for this and i don't give a fuck and this is not an opinion that's <laughs> like you know that other people say as well for the most part most war games matches aren't good right there's there's good moments in them mm -hmm. um there's memorable things that happen but from beginning to end they're not great matches they're far too long um, I think if you go back and watch the 94 one, which is like Dustin and Dusty yeah. and the Nasty Boys versus Colonel Robert Parker and his crew, I think that one's okay Sure, from, from beginning to end. And I think that's the last good War Games match. Right. Every one that happens after that sucks. And uh, outside of Sid almost killing Brian Pillman for real, 
Um, you know, that's like the most memorable moment from a War Games match. Right. So I would, I, it's, it's unfortunate, but I'm going to have to say the same thing. Uh, that Sting Squadron, because look, Sting is in my top five wrestlers of all time. Um, you know, and him getting like sort of the, the name above the, mar- the name on the marquee there, uh, with his, with his squadron, um, just really makes me happy. And I really think it, it is a really good match. For sure. Uh, so thank you for the call, Doug. Yes. Thank you, Doug. Next call. Hello, Joe. Hello to Wiki. This is Kevin Ford calling. Uh, Somebody what got a great off. get for this week's guest host. I'll miss Adam. Miss hearing what his weekly purchases are. Ah, who am I kidding? He probably sent them in separately. <laughs> but uh, as a huge fan of Hit My Music Pod, as a patron of the Hit My Music Pod, it's great to hear DeWiki on this podcast. I don't have any questions for either of you, but I just wanted to, first of all, publicly thank Joe for having me on commentary for the LVAC a couple weeks ago. With a few weeks of reflection, I can definitely say that is probably the most fun wrestling show I've ever had the opportunity to call. So I appreciate him giving me the opportunity. Thank you very much, Joe. And I also want to say to DeWiki that I would like to propose sometime in early 2023, if this is of interest to you, that you, myself, and Big Sue Jackson maybe have the next Hit My Music Roundtable to discuss They Might Be Jets. That's something oh. Sue and I have bonded over. I've been a fan of Sue's for, gosh, over a decade or so now. So I think that would be a whole lot of fun for the three of us to, to sit down and chop it up. Yes, I am using this voicemail to... uh Hopefully get a chance to get another podcast, but I digress. So great to hear the two of you together. Really excited to listen to this one. Uh, thanks for everything. I'll talk to you later. I cannot. Okay. So yeah, Kevin, yes, a million times. Yes. I would love to do a podcast with you and Sue about, they might be giants. Um, I appreciate you calling in. I appreciate your kind words. I cannot thank Kevin enough for some of the help that he gave me in the early stages of starting hit my music. Um, he had a document that listed basically every theme music that anybody in Chikara ever used. Oh, no way. Yeah, of course. And like was super helpful. So anytime, anytime Kevin Ford wants to talk to me, I am absolutely for it. Yep. So, and, I'm glad I got a chance to call uh, almost a full show uh, with Kevin. I thought we did uh, as admirable a job as two guys who had never called a full show like that before. Um, you know, I'm glad that me springing an opportunity for Kevin to call a match with Ian Riccoboni worked out well for yep. all parties involved. And, uh, you know, if you're along in the car ride, if there's people from Virginia coming up, um, you know, I could always talk to the boss about getting you in there again, you know? Uh, it was, I loved the two of you together. It was great. Well, thank you very much. Next call. Hey, guys. And I'm saying hey, guys, because I'm unaware of who tonight's co-host will be. It's Kevin. Uh, so I have a question, like I usually do here. Um, we were talking before about how Kenny Omega said, you know, what was it? He'd only have like a quarter of the people there. Um, we got used to Vince McMahon and the, you know, frequent, uh, purging of talent there. And now Triple H is in charge of WWE. And granted, it's been a short amount of time, but I'm noticing a fair amount of people that are not on TV every week like they were before. Uh, Omar, Veer, 
pretty much the whole 24 seven, uh, title contenders just disappeared off TV. Now, granted, I'm enjoying who is on TV instead, but we're at the point where eventually Triple H is going to have to release some talent as well, right? So what will the reaction be when he has to release talent? Now, I'm kind of thinking he might go the AEW way and just, hey, when your contract extends, we're just not renewing the contract as opposed to a bloodbath purge all at once of many people. But, um, you know, Triple H is in everyone's good graces now, but eventually something like this is going to have to come just strictly business, uh, possibly. So what will the reaction be? Will he do it better than his predecessor? And I will be interested in your answers. Hope, uh, uh, you two are having fun tonight, whoever this mysterious co-host is. Bye. <laughs> so it's interesting that, that Kevin brings that up because – if I remember, I think it was I think Trevor Dame uh, the last couple days has been kind of talking about Triple H as the figurehead of WWE and how he's sort of come in as everybody's favorite uncle. But at some point, he is going to have to be dad. And he's going to he and Kevin's right. He is going to have to let people go. And I do think there is a distinction to be made between releasing people prematurely from their contracts and letting contracts expire. Um, if only because at least if your contract is expiring, you know about it and you can prepare. Right. So I do think that how he I think that how he handles that is going to is going to dictate the way people see him going forward. Um, and I think if he's, if he's smart, he will at least at the beginning, let it, he will, he will let it roll with, with letting contracts expire. And I think some of those names that Kevin mentioned, your veers, some of those 24, seven guys, um, they probably are in danger of not having their contracts renewed. Um, but it's, you know, it's a matter of, they they will see it coming. They will know it's coming, and I think that makes a lot of difference. Right now, I, I'm kind of with you and and Kevin as well, where it's going to be less of these premature releases. It's going to be less of these. We just signed a contract extension in March, and now we're being released in April. Right. Um, it's going to be more so of you're giving your 90 days. We're telling you ahead of time that we're not renewing your contract. Mm -hmm. If you want to negotiate, we can come in for lower money or whatever it is. You know, we can kind of cross those bridges as we come to it. Um, that's how I think a lot of this is going to be handled in the future. Now, where the real question is going to be, and this is something that happened quite a bit over the last, like, three years um, during the pandemic, where you had people just to throw out there, like Mustafa Ali, publicly asking for their release – and it not being granted to them. Right. We haven't seen anyone do that, but Triple H has technically only been in charge for, like, less than two months. Right. So it'll be interesting to see if it comes to that point and someone says that, what does Triple H do? Yeah, it will be. Um, you know, does he grant that person the release or does he give them a push on TV? Does he address it? Does he ignore it? That's going to be the real test mm -hmm. of whether or not uh, Triple H is the cool uncle or the cool dad. <laughs> I think more than anything, what I think was missing under the previous uh, regime, I guess, is maybe a good word for it. Sure. 
was a was a was communication. It seemed like a lot of those those people who had asked for releases not only weren't getting them granted, but they weren't even necessarily being told why. Right. And so I think I think communication can go a long way. Yes. Um, you know, and it'll it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Triple H understands that innately or, yeah. you know, whatever. All right. Last call, pink button time. Oh, I love it. It's young Ed. Hey, Joe and not Adam. Um, it's Ed. I'm in my car during my break right now, packing a bowl of drugs, just thinking about how I watched uh, AEW Dynamite last night. I watched right. it. Uh, Jericho winning the ROH title, super funny. Uh, Swerve <laughs> losing the tag title is not super funny. Um. <laughs> I don't want a rampage spoiler, but I saw that. I'm not too upset about it. You know, it's just a little cameo. That's what that's what that person should be used for is little cameos. Okay. Uh, but the big news coming from uh, from Dynamite last night is that Trina uh, is going to be on rampage. How fucking cool is that? That is very cool. bringing me back to like uh, my uh, early teen years, staying up till three a.m. to watch BET uncut. You know, and watch Trina just throwing ass all over the place. But then you got to quickly turn it off when it's done, because right after that is BT Gospel to guilt you for getting uh, so <laughs> dumb horny watching BT uncut videos. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? No. Um. But yeah, I watched I watched wrestling. Uh, that Dynamite show's not too bad. It could use a little CM Punk, but uh, I don't know. you know, some dorks ruined that. Um. Joe, I'm assuming you are now Team CM Punk. I'm going to talk to I'm going to talk to Phil about. About talking to you yeah. on his side, because <laughs> uh, remember those young bucks are not nice to your wife. That's and true. That's why we don't that's like true. them. Phil's never been mean to your wife. Let's keep that in mind. Never happened. Uh, but yeah, a lot of rapper cameos on uh, AEW this week. Um, Big Swole had to act like that wasn't cool because she hates Tony Khan so much. Big Swole sucks. Um, but I just want to know who you guys who would. Who from, like, your early teen years would, like, pop you big if they brought them in as a cameo? Because, uh, Trina's right on my alley. That was good shit. I was very happy to see that. Uh, it was almost, it was cooler than Jane Silent Bob when they had them on there. Oh, I saw Clerks thing. It was really good. Uh, okay, bye. <sighs> David, you're, you're the music person. Sure. I know you're going to be shocked to hear this. But I have no idea who Trina is. So Trina is, I mean, obviously she's a rapper. Late 90s, early 2000s is when she kind of start, like started getting big. Um, she had appeared. Uh, are you familiar with Trick Daddy at all? Uh, I'll say yes. Okay. Trick Daddy was a Miami rapper who had, who had a couple of hits. Um, she had appeared on uh, a, couple of his, a couple of his records. Um, he kind of discovered her. She did some stuff with Missy Elliott. Uh, I I like Trina. I think she's pretty good. Um, and so I was I was excited to see her. Now, as for who would pop me from my early teen years, boy, that's um. So I, you and I are about the same age. I'm like a few months older than you, I think. Yes. Um. So night. So I'm looking like early nineties, nineteen ninety, nineteen ninety one. When I'm 13 or 14, I'm really starting to get into rap. This is like, to me, the golden age of rap. 
Um, and so Rakim of Eric B and Rakim is my favorite rapper of all time. So if Rakim were to show up on Dynamite, like that would I would I would absolutely lose my shit. So um, I don't think any of the members of Metallica are going to be showing up on Dynamite anytime soon. Sure. Uh, we've already been to the point where members of Foo Fighters were involved in something in professional wrestling, <laughs> yep. and they just kind of laughed at it. Right. Um, I Did you see, I'm sure you did, did you see Ethan Page's tweet about this? I did. I did. Uh, um, did you see was Dan Housen's response? Yes. So, uh, you know, Ethan Page essentially said, like, hey, with everybody getting their favorite rappers to come out, mm-hmm. when does Tony Khan pay for me to be wrapped out to the ring by Weird Al Yankovic? Right. Um, I think that would be awesome. Um, be. You know, whether it be Ethan Page, whether it be Dan Housen, and we all know Bryce uh, Remsburg, referee, is a big Weird Al Yankovic fan. Right. Um, I think that's your next crossover star. If they can negotiate that and work that out uh, to coincide with the uh, Weird Al movie that's going to be on yep. Hulu in November. Yep. Not Hulu, Roku. Roku. Okay. A Roku channel. Okay. Um, so that is uh, Synergy, I think, yes. as the kids say. I think that's, that's right. a, something smart that they should do. It's a, you know, it's a, co- it's a collab. Right. Um, so, hey, thanks, everyone, for calling in. Yes. Um, I'm going to hit the plugs. I'm not going to put the onus of that on David. Oh, I will. I, I've got it. Oh, you okay. Let me do my part of the plugs, sure. and you do uh, Adam's part of the plugs. That's right. Okay, so uh, IWTV, uh, you know, independentwrestling.tv, a.k.a. Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Um, use the promo code at odds. If you're a new subscriber, you get nothing for free, but it lets Jerry know you came to him from us. Um, if you need some other wrestling, uh, adjacent to IWTV, um, there is a sale going on right now for SmartMark Video. If you're a physical media person, DVDs, uh, MP4s, and the Steel Stack Smackdown events, uh, just went live for order. Uh, so go ahead and get those, get some old LVAC shows, and, uh, you know, get them on sale there. Uh, you can head over to our Tee Public store. Uh, there's a sale up until this Sunday, 35% off everything, uh, whether it be designs inspired by this show, uh, Longbox Heroes, longboxheroes.com, um, we need rest or no, we need wrestling of their own, uh, Final Wrestling Place, hit my music as a design or two in there, yep. um, 35% off everything there this weekend. Uh, you could also help us out uh, by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. Uh, it is in the link to the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is that you get the episodes. does not cost you anything extra, uh, but it does make Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, somebody purchased uh, plaid and plaid men's stretch skinny fit casual business pants ankle dress pants. That's uh, that's a quite the quite the description. Yes, yes, nothing uh, again. Stretch. I can talk about skinny. I don't know that word. <laughs> uh, a 16-pack silicone travel bottle set for toiletries. 
Um, and somebody also purchased the Star Wars Black Series Mandalorian uh, Ashkatanu and Baby Yoda toys. I guess it's an Amazon exclusive three pack. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so thanks to anyone who made any and all your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link, whether it be this week, this month, this year, or this whenever. You know what is not an Amazon exclusive uh, three pack? What is not? These podcasts. Oh, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, WWE War, Wrestling Cheers, IWTV Guide, Pod Van Dam, Wings on Wings, Between the Sheets, If You Catch My Grift, No Chance in Helmet, I guess at odds with football, uh, and our, our, I guess we're not plugging the A-Show, or do we need to plug the A-Show since Adam's going to be on it? Uh, I think Adam plugged it in his homework. Assignment. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, yeah. And it's not a podcast, but check out NEPAWrestling.com. Oh, yeah. Kyle's doing some good work there. Yes. It's only been a week. Um, he's already, you know, doing his best to spread more positivity about the good in professional wrestling. So I've had to pick up the slack and negativity. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Your cynical right. nature. Yes. So even though he's not here, it is time for his favorite part of the show. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. Ha 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 I don't know if you know this, Joe, but Adam can be somewhat particular at times. Uh, yes. And trying to put, trying to get that just the way he wanted it was a little bit of a, a chore. <laughs> well, uh, again, you cannot argue with perfection, I no, guess. No, that's true. You can't. Yes. Um. So I only got, I know you said you have some um, purchases, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to make Adam proud. So all I got is one purchase. Um, okay. I am going to AEW Dynamite this upcoming Wednesday with right. Brett and DJ if we need wrestling. I'm looking forward to it. And I want to have something new. I want to have something fancy to wear. You know, I just can't wear like any old wrestling shirt, you know? No. Of course not. Um, so uh, if you listen to me over on Longbox Heroes... Oh. You'll hear me uh, talking about how much I've been enjoying the comic book Do a Powerbomb through Image Comics from Daniel Warren Johnson. And I saw in this most recent uh, issue that he was selling a bunch of things. He's got shirt, he's got stickers and pins and all sorts of jazz, but he's also got a shirt. Uh, so I picked up the shirt, and I'm showing it to David now. There's the yep. front, as you see it there. Okay. Uh, there's a more close-up shot of the front. Oh, that's cool. And then the back has the logo on the back. Now, if it was me, I would have flipped it. I would have done the logo on the front and the design on the back. Um, but it is what it is. I really like the art. I really like the comic book. And I ordered it when I read the comic last week. And I'm like, oh, boy, I hope it's going to be here in time for the AEW Dynamite. And I got my shipping notification today. So I should have it for wearing at the uh, Dynamite. Nice. That's my only purchase. Okay, well, um, I've got some stuff. 
And in the great tradition of Adam, I have a story for at least one of them. So <laughs> okay. we'll get there. Uh, so people who know me, people who follow me on Twitter know that my my vice of choice, I guess, uh, is sneakers. Uh, and I recently did buy a new pair of sneakers. I bought a pair of uh, Jordan 1 Low uh, sneakers. with the uh, They were royal blue and elephant print, which is sort of a grayish. It's kind of got like a crackle texture to it. Um, so I, I'm, I'm actually wearing them right now. I wore them for the first time today. Uh, so that's, that's cool. I love those. Um, I recently got a retro collection Obi-Wan Kenobi figure from the, uh, Kenobi TV series on Disney plus. Okay. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, you don't have, I, I like the retro collection figures, I think for the exact opposite reason that Adam, that Adam like doesn't like them because I like that the 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 back the card is like already like worn and i don't have to worry about it being mint uh yeah i see i'm i'm kind of more with you than i am with adam but okay. i get why adam feels that way sure. you know sure yeah uh i got a funko pop recently of cassian andor of the new the new andor series on disney plus this was a uh 2022 summer con limited edition cassian okay andor pop uh i also got the ricky steamboat elite figure which uh is i I think this is the chase if i'm not mistaken it's the one with him in the yellow tights and the yellow boots with the wcw tv championship i was gonna say with the tv championship yes i think you're i think you are correct so i have that i have that sitting on my uh desk at work and the story is so uh if you've ever have you ever seen the comic cover Funko Pops? If I yes. say that, does that do you know what I'm talking about? Where okay. it's like kind of a recreation of a famous comic book cover with yep. like yeah. So I am sending you a I think I'm sending you something in the chat. Okay. Uh I bought a Vision comic cover Funko Pop. It is a recreation of the uh, the first appearance of Vision from Avengers 57. Oh, yeah, sure. And I'm very, yes, very familiar with that. It's him uh, all in red. Um, and so I, I found this. I was I was at a Target. I was trying to find a belt. And, at the you know, at Target, they have, like, the, the Funko Pops, not in the toy section, but, like, sort of, like, down from the electronics in most of them that I've been to. Yeah. And it's, so, like, there were a few of these sitting here. And I... There was no price. There wasn't like a tag on the, you know, on the rail on the shelf or anything. And so I was like, huh, I wonder how much this is. And so I, I looked it up on Target's app. Couldn't find it. It's a Target exclusive. I went over to like, you know how they have like the price check gimmick on the wall? Yeah. Uh, I checked the UPC on that. It didn't come up with a price. Huh. So I was like, okay, I'll take a shot and see, uh, see what happens. If it's, if it's more than I want to spend on it, then I won't, I won't buy it. It's fine. So I get up to the, I get up to the, the cash wrap and the cashier like scans it. She's not even paying attention to the fact that it didn't pull up a price. And she starts scanning the other thing that I bought. And she's like, Oh wait, um, I don't know how much this costs. And so she tries looking it up. She did all the same things that I did. And I said, you know, I said, I don't know. It didn't have a price. And she goes, well, how much do they usually cost? I said, I wanted to be clear. I was not trying to take advantage. So I said, well, regular Funko Pops are usually in the 11 to $12 range. And she was like, okay, uh, this is your lucky day. 
and she punched in three dollars and fifty cents. Ooh, okay. So I got I got the uh, I got this this uh, comic cover vision Funko Pop for three dollars and fifty cents. Wow. Now yeah. I've I've heard stories, and you did luck out not only on the price, but I've heard stories where. Um, especially at Target, you know, uh, maybe firsthand, a lot of times secondhand through the Toy Boy group, where people go to Target, they find the item, it's a Target exclusive, mm-hmm. uh, no price, it doesn't scan on the price checker, doesn't scan at the register, and they just come and say, oh, well, we can't sell this, because oh. it's not in our system. Wow. Yes, there's been, I've I've heard multiple stories of that. So, like I said, again, you lucked out that one, yeah, they sold it to you, and two, they gave it to you at, like, pennies on the dollar. Right. Because I did look it up. I think it's, I think retail, it goes for 20. Um, I was seeing it anywhere from 15 to 35 on eBay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, and then I also bought, the last thing I bought is tickets. Uh, my local indie that I go to more often than any other is Lucha Libre and Laughs. Lucha Libre and Laughs is a combination wrestling and comedy show. They've had a number of Chikara people out through the years. Colt Cabana's been here. Um, Fire Ant, Orange Cassidy, Bryce has been here. Um, and But I think maybe their upcoming show, they are getting the biggest coup that they've ever gotten. Um, Royce Isaacs, who some people will know because he was on, he was uh, a big part of the G1 teaming with filthy Tom Lawler when Tom Lawler wasn't having tournament matches. He's been on new Japan strong as part of team filthy and the West coast wrecking crew. He's been in West coast, uh, West coast pro. Um, and he will be facing off with Minoru Suzuki. So I get to see, I get to see Suzuki in person and I, didn't think that was ever going to ever going to be a thing that would happen. Um, so. yeah. So that's really cool. What's the date of that show? Uh, that is October 7th. Okay. Uh, so we're like two weeks away, give or yep. take there too. Right. But right when you come back from vacation, that's a nice, yep. uh, way to ease back into life. Yep. I cannot uh, wait. Now, um, I will say, um, if they are offering this and I would be, I would assume that they are, they'd be foolish not to, uh, if they are offering the chance to get a mark picture with Minoru Suzuki, you absolutely need to get that done. I, if I can, I will. Yes. So and I have a I well you know what and I they don't listen to the show. Um. So um. Sometime this year, uh, I was doing my I was doing commentary for a show and I'm gonna be vague mm-hmm. on some of these things, but okay. you'll know, right? Yep. Um. And I'm like, you know, I'm going up to everybody. I'm like, hey, I see you put your match together. I'll come bother you. Just, you know, I'm doing commentary. I'm just looking <laughs> to get my usual things, right? And I come back around to the match. I see they kind of sort of have it together-ish, right? And I go, is there anything you want me to put over? Um, you know, I, I, I know some stuff, and I know this, and I know that, and I know that you're the uh, uh, current Lucha Libre and Laughs champion. Oh, yes. And uh, this person says to me, Oh, yeah. You better mention that prestigious title on commentary. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we, I, I think they were just uh, having a go at it, you know? Sure. Uh, but it was still very I, funny. I it mean, I guess I, I get it because it's, I mean, <laughs> like outside of my local area, who's really going to like who's really right. going to know? I mean, like. 
that's not there's not a whole I don't know that there's a whole lot of crossover between the LVAC and Lucha Libre and laughs. But. Sure. As you mentioned, Orange Cassidy and Bryce. Yep. And other people who conveniently you did not name that is a regular there and might have been the person who said it. <laughs> uh, so I. Uh, that I I have not been to a show where that person has been on yet. Oh, okay. Uh, I've missed I've missed all of their appearances, unfortunately. Gotcha. So it's it, it was that was not on purpose. Uh, I so I will say I don't know if they're booked on the October seventh show. Are. They are. Um, and I'm excited. Tell them you know me. I will. And uh, make sure to ask them about the prestigious I'm, title. I'm gonna try. I will do that. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna try and get that person on hit my music. Oh, that'd be awesome. They so, they would be a great guest. Yes. Is that all you got for purchases this that week? Is all, that is all I've got for purchases. Well, listen, uh, David, even though he's not here, I know you would be surprised uh, that Adam has uh, purchases. Really? Yeah, I'm he shocked. He certainly does. Um, some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. When your hundred dollar Vansky, your figures will be bought. <laughs> hey guys, uh, I'm sure you're you're halfway through your very long weekly purchases segment. I, I I bet one of you guys bought some sensible slacks or something like that, or moderately used yard rake or <laughs> whatever. So I figured I'd, I'd chime in here and give my weekly purchases because uh, I don't know if you guys know it is the year of financial responsibility. So I've been keeping it. Kind of modest, but made a couple purchases, and I will be quick. I purchased a sealed copy because video games are are kind of you know hot now. So I was looking into what video games I really really like. I could still buy on the cheap, you know, sealed and like first version of the game. Uh, so I actually bought a sealed copy of Bioshock Infinite on PlayStation 3 and another one on the Xbox 360. Uh, they were really cheap for like a 15-year-old video game. So got those. Uh, I also pre-ordered the Target exclusive Legend 17 Dingo Warrior AJ Styles and HBK. Uh, I might cancel the AJ Styles. I'm not I'm kind of on the fence with that, but I need the Ultimate Warrior with the mustache and the HBK and all that stuff. Um, one other thing, in the major group, there was somebody selling some figs for a really good price, and I bought a WrestleMania 33 Elite HBK figure. Uh, this is like a $45 figure that I got for 20 bucks shipped, so I was very nice. pumped about that. Didn't need it, but uh, can't resist the deal. And finally, I purchased on eBay, because uh, obviously if anybody listens to this show uh, knows that I collect minor league baseball bobbleheads, but I purchased from the Gwinnett Braves, minor league affiliate of the Atlanta Braves, a Tony Schiavone bobblehead. Oh, that's And it actually comes autographed, nice. not the bobblehead, but the box. Uh, pretty sweet. I'll, I'll tweet out some pictures tomorrow. But uh, that's it for me, guys. I might have a big boy purchase for next week. I'm Ooh. not sure. Things are things are lining up, and it's not a toy. And it's not a, a, like a card or a comic. It's kind of out there. It's kind of a wild thing, but uh, maybe you'll like it. All right, guys, that's it for me. I, I'm not calling in again, I swear. All right, goodbye. He's buying the apparatus that Chelsea pegs Brokey with. <laughs> Found one in the couch. Oh my! Yeah, in the warehouse. Yeah, in the warehouse. It was under a foam Henry Godwin hand or something. 
Um, so yeah, so, uh, David, I, I, I know Adam said that that's going to be his last call, but I, I do, I did get a special request from him. Oh boy. Hey Joe. Hey Dewicki. Oh, uh, it's Adam. Hang on. Hey Joe. Nope, hey Dewicki. Do it uh, it's way. Adam Van again. I'm leaving all this in cause I fucked this up. <laughs> all right. He, he made a special request. Oh boy. Oh no. All heat, no heaters. So, uh, David, is there anything you need to bitch or complain about from the last week of stuff? I don't think so. No, I I, I got nothing neither. Um, And again, for a guy who couldn't be bothered to show up today, he sure is contributing Mm -hmm. quite a bit. Yeah, he sure is. Yeah, last one for uh, Adam here. Hey, Joe. Hey, Dewicky. Uh, It's Adam Van again. I know I said I wasn't going to call in, but I'm pretty pissed off. Uh, Like, why do I even bother take days off of the podcast if I'm going to (laughs) get fucked by Fox? Because all I want to do is watch the goddamn Yankee game. Yankee games are on the Yes Network. That's where they belong. But no, it's on Fox. So I switch over to Fox, and what do they have on? They have the fucking Phillies against the fucking Braves. Even Phillies fans don't want to watch Phillies games. And fucking Braves fans are all, like, brand new fans because there was no such thing as an Atlanta Braves fan, like, more than three years ago. Uh, like, yes, like, Ridiculous. And then tomorrow's game? Tomorrow's game's on Apple TV. Who the fuck has Apple TV? I am going to steal the shit out of that game. <laughs> fuck you, Apple TV. I plan on pirating you so fucking hard. And it... I turn on MLB Network, I'm like, oh, maybe they'll switch over to the Aaron Judge at-bat. They show a fucking Bo Bichette at-bat. Random fucking Bo Bichette. Get a fucking haircut, Bo Bichette. Fuck, I hate baseball. It's ridiculous. Oh, well, at least I have football, right? Football, Steelers, Browns. Steelers are going to get their asses kicked. And the the fucking Browns fans are like, yeah, go dog pound, go dog pound. No, fuck the Browns. The Browns are terrible, too. But the Steelers are still going to lose because the Steelers will lose to a fucking Pop Warner team. That's how fucking bad they are. God, I hate sports. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, as far as Bo Bichette cutting his hair, Bo Bichette should never cut his hair. Is is he like a guy in the upcoming season of Mandalorian or something? No, no. Bo Bichette is actually the – it does sound like it though. Uh, he is the son of former Colorado Rockies player Dante Bichette who lost his hair fairly early and started shaving his head sometime in like the, mid, the mid-90s. Uh-huh. So uh, as long as, as long as Bo Bichette – can keep that that luscious mane of hair that he has. He should. Oh, boy, am I boy am I glad I only care about professional wrestling. <laughs> Adam's getting it from all sides, huh? Yes, he is. All right, so that is actually the real end of the show. Uh, David, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule, preparing for a vacation, to come on here and you know ask wrestling talk wrestling. Just looking at wrestling stuff, you know. Uh, you know what, Joe? It is my utmost pleasure. I uh, I appreciate the invite. It is a dream come true to be a guest host on Ad Odds with Wrestling. Yes. 
Uh, I I wonder if the day ever comes where I miss a show, uh, there just won't be an episode because there's I would no imagine. way Adam would get a guest host. No, because then he'd have to do, he'd have to do all the research on this day in wrestling history, and right. he's not going to be bothered. He'd have to try and figure out you know all the other stuff. He'd have to figure out how to run the show, how to produce it. And well, let's be honest. And so he, that he so that bothered. would be the thing is you know he sends in all these bits and skits. That last one, that last one he fucking sent to me as an M4A file. What the wow. fuck is an M4A file? I don't even know, you know? <laughs> it uh, used to be reserved, like, when you would download songs from, like, iTunes, like, in, yeah. like, 2009. Yeah. They would come as, like, M4As. Yeah, so that, his all heat, no heaters was an M4A. Get the hell out of here. Um, but I wouldn't send anything in. Um, but I would obviously have to be the one that does the editing and the right. post-production sure. and the whatever. So that would be my contribution to whenever it is. Um, but I don't see myself taking any time off on a Thursday anytime soon, you know? Probably not. All right. So, uh, David, before I close everything out and send everyone home, uh, anything you want to plug? Anything you want to send folks into the direction of? I mean, I, I already plugged uh, hit my music during the podcast plugs. If you guys want to follow me uh, on, on Twitter, I'm at DWKII, or you can follow the podcast at Hit My Music Pod. Perfect. Awesome. Again, David, thank you very much thank you, uh, for being on the show. Thanks, everyone, for bearing with us. Uh, thanks for listening to At Odds with Wrestling, episode 208. Uh, be safe out there, everyone, and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini... Of Podcast Networks.